started here. Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call in. This is episode 49, AOC Funds Corporate Dems. AOC was outed for funding CIA corporate Democrats and the progressives retract their Ukraine letter. What are your thoughts? So I see we have Zach on the mic. Let's go ahead and bring in, bring in the Zach. Hey, Sabby. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. What is up? Uh, how's it going? Um, I didn't really want to talk about this. Um, I will. Uh, I will just say one thing about this. Uh, a Dem's going to do what a Dem's going to do. I, If you're running as a Democrat, it sucks because... Um, there are a lot of good progressives that run, but with corporate funding, with, you know, rigged elections, I don't know how I, it takes courage to not run under the duopoly. But I think if we are going to give electoral politics a chance, and I am not um, an advocate for that, I, I, electoralism is dead. Uh you guys talk about that on RBN all the time. It has to be out of the two-party system. Mm-hmm. And, and you see, this is the reason why, like what we have right now, because once they go into like that party, that's, that's it. Like it's, it's over because the party is going to tell them what to do. And exactly. if they don't, then they're going to push them out or they'll get someone to primary challenge them that is going to do what they want them to do. So that that's the problem with um, going into this two-party system because it, it, it basically limits any type of real fright, uh, fight or progress that could happen because you're basically you're basically fighting for for the party. So you got to go along with what the party line wants. And then it becomes exactly. about partisanship. Always instead. partisanship first. Yep. Partisanship first. And then the policies, this is why a lot of the policies don't end up passing. Because if you look at something like Medicare for all, that's supposed to be something that the progressives at least are supposed to fight for according to the strategy and according to the plan from Justice Democrats. And they won't even do that because the party doesn't want it. So they are being censored by the very party that they are a part of. It, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Not at all. It's, it's well, in, you know, the Beltway and Washington and politics, it's all backwards. I, I think that is known to most people. Mm, I just think... It's very revealing. I see some people are saying that some people had trouble getting in the room. Let me make sure. Let me just double check something. Just make sure it's. No, it's it's public. So. Oh, wait a minute. Let me see something. Just want to double check one more thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's public. I think the app is just glitchy. But um, I will say that I think. This is going to be a, a problem that continues as long yes. as as we're using this strategy, this is going to continue to be a problem. So you have AOC out here. She has this pack 
And what she's doing is taking money from that pack that is supposed to fund progressive Democrats. And she is funding some progressive Democrats, but she's also funding corporate Democrats through that same pack. Yep. So to me, that shouldn't even be allowed. But again, well, you know, with PACs, how many nails in the coffin do you need for these people? Like it, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit of a cynic, but it's like, okay, another thing's going to come out tomorrow, another thing after that, another thing. And it's like, I don't know how to get through to people. It might be traumatic, but to get through to people who are mainstream Democratic voters and, you know, fundraisers, it's it's a little insane. Yes, it's true. And there needs to be some type of, of accountability. So my, you know, demand to people tonight was, look, Contact Justice Democrats. Like I said, their contact information is public on their website. Contact them and demand for them to be removed from the Justice Democrats organization. They don't need to be on that website. They don't need to be a part of this organization anymore. They're not even upholding the principles. So the fact that Justice Democrats even still has like AOC's picture on there, Cori Bush, Pramila Jayapal, who should not actually technically she shouldn't even be on there. Because Pramila Jayapal and Rokana were not originally a part of Justice Democrats. They were a part of brand new Congress. And then when they merged, that's how they became Justice Democrats. So it's just they need to reevaluate that entire organization and who they are running, um, these candidates that they're running. But having them up there when the squad and the progressives aren't doing anything, that's not helping their cause. And I'll, I'll point to specific examples. How many of these progressives that ran for office this year actually won their primary races? How many? Can you can yeah. can people even name them? Because the only one I know is Summer Lee. Yeah, I mean, Sadi, you would know. Um, I, I don't keep up with um, electoral politics because I I don't vote for the duopoly. But you are very informative on that. There, there's no one. They they demonize them as communists. Um, and then, um, they, they, they just, they push them out. So there's no way for them to, uh, be in the democratic party or elected. That's right. That's right. And then another thing too, is that once they get in, once they're there, we have no way to hold them accountable. And that was the flaw. Exactly. I think with, with Justice Democrats, that's a flaw. Like, how are they going to be held accountable once they won if they're not upholding those principles or if they're not following the plan for a Justice Democrat? 100%. So it's just something to... It's just something to think about. Like, I, you know, I don't support the strategy uh, because it has... It's not working. It's it's failing. And I just think that something else needs to happen. And yeah, I, mean, I just, think it's I think it's happening. I think um you know, I watch your guys' streams and it gives me hope and you know, to start my own thing in my own area and mutual aid and it's it's happening. I I, I think it is. I think so too. Um, and that's really good to hear. And, and shout out to, there was a gentleman in London that said that RBN inspired him to start his own mutual aid chapter in London. So it's just, you know, this is what we want people to do. This is what we want to happen because 
as long as we just sit back and just hope that Joe Biden does the right thing or that progressives do the right thing. Or anyone in politics. Yeah. Anyone. We're just going to be constantly disappointed. And I don't want people to continue to be disappointed. And I don't want people to get their hopes up again either. It doesn't. And I've said this before. It doesn't really matter who the candidate is because they're going into a corrupt system. Mm hmm. Well, well, Zach, thank you so much for calling in. So, Sabby, I just had one thing, one thing to say about uh, the tipping thing that you had on your show. Um, I'm disabled and I don't make very much money. I've talked about this to RBN. Uh, me and Jay, JB talk about this often. It, it's hard for me uh, to tip as someone who makes, you know, like $30 a day. Um so I th- I think that part of the conversation needs to be talked about. Like a lot of people talk about it as a as a merit thing. Well, these people I'm one hundred percent on. I don't disagree with anything any progressive or leftist says. Um, don't I've gotten this from family and friends. Don't shame anyone for not tipping because sometimes they really can't tip, and. Um, don't shame them for eating out. Maybe it's the only meal they've had that day and they made a hard decision to spend what little money they had on a fast food or treating themselves. So that's all I had to say. I really wanted to bring that up to the audience and um, say that, you know, tipping is, is very controversial and it serves the oligarchs and um, the 1%. That's a good point. And you know what the solution to this problem should be? They should just pay servers a living wage. So that yes. way servers don't have to rely on tips. And like in some other countries, that's done. In some other countries, tipping is frowned upon because they're paid a living wage. A hundred percent. All right, Sabi, I'll, I'll let um, the other callers in and I'll let you guys talk. All righty. Have a good Let's night. go ahead and bring in, um, oh, Roger Me- Meadows is here early this time. What is up, Roger? <laughs> Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Roger is notorious for, for those who don't know, if I say, all right, I'm about to take the last caller and we're going to end the conversation. Roger's notorious for jumping on like right at that moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I looked, yes, that was, that article was from, uh, last year, um, March, 2021. That's why it sounded so, I think a lot of people, sometimes you need to tell something again, because sometimes people forget. Yeah. And I believe most of the people who watched it and, you know, was commenting and saying, oh, I didn't know that or whatever the case is, um, they probably knew they just forgot that they knew because i remember it being a big deal last year um when when it when the world socialist website you know had published that um yeah well i think part of the problem is too like some people don't read uh that platform Mm because some people don't know about it but some people don't read that platform and i was just thinking about that too like the fact of that came out last year 
I only had like 2,000 subscribers at that time oh, yeah, last year. Right. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just that. It was just, I remember Jimmy mentioning on his show. I, I remember I had, I had, um, and they, and that person it, admitted it, but I had, uh, well, and he, he admitted it when he said on his show, I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to get you all like, whatever, but there was a certain <laughs> commentator. There was a certain com- commentator who just said, yo, I just got G-chat <laughs> about AOC. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, this person used to rip into Jimmy all the time. I think it was mostly out of jealousy, but whatever the case is. Right? But here's the problem, though, uh, Roger. That pack is still there. It still exists. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how how... I wonder how profitable it is. Well, that you know money I mean? that went to Abigail Spanberger, that was this year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That was this you year. So that's the thing. She's still doing it. And it's just like, why? <laughs> like, why are more people calling her out on this? And this is the thing about political attack ads. Some things in a political attack attack ad can be false or exaggerated but that doesn't mean everything else is is false or exaggerated in the ad so that political tag ad that case study uh clipped where it said that um abigail spanberger supports defund the police that was actually false but the part Mm -hmm. about aoc giving her donating five thousand dollars to her campaign that was true yeah because i remember um i remember when that when that uh happened um I was, it was either that article or I read another article that Spanberger, um, uh, what's his name? Connor Lamb. And Uh a lot of them lost their freaking mind. Like, yo, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, you would have, you would have thought that it kind of reminded me of um, that punked episode where Usher's, uh, was it? little brother set him up with like uh I I think it was some underage girl or something like that it it was a joke it was everyone was in on it except for Usher and then Usher was like what the hell (laughs) it's like yo I'm a you know he was just like yo I'm freaking I'm gonna beat you up in private you know what I mean? And then it was like, ah, we punked you or whatever, right? So it kind of reminded me of that when she, because she didn't even ask, hey, uh, I'm going to slip you some money. Is it okay? It was just, they just found it and they returned it immediately saying, are you kidding me? You're going to use this? You know, you set me set me up. You know, well, you know, then again, maybe. Yeah, so, because I was saying, I was like, this was last year and I was just like, you donated to them before i mean it's not even an election year we didn't get to the primaries i mean at least it would make some bit of sense if she donated after they won their primaries but you know like the primaries were not even there because this was more than a year ago (laughs) you know what i mean so i was just like yeah okay it's not even that also the fact that I don't know if everyone remembers this, but when she first ran, her original website said that she would not donate money to corporate Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, she didn't. She, I mean, it makes it worse that she written that down in print, but yep. it would it 
even if you didn't write it in print, this it would be implicit of you know you would the original name was Tea Party of the Left. You weren't supposed to go in there and do this. Mm-hmm. And now they yeah. out of control, and nobody knows what to do because there's there's no way to even to even reach them. They don't come on to left independent media. But here she is on Pod Save America. I don't know if everyone saw that on Twitter, but she went on to Pod Save America, which is corporate backed. Even David Sirota called her out. Yeah, it's a a, a Obama outfit. I saw it, but I didn't see it. It was one of those things that, you know, I I look my paws at. You know, just like, yeah, whatever. And kept kept going pretty much, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, um, you know, like I said, another reason why we need to abolish political parties at every level. First, they serve their donors, then they serve the party, then they serve themselves individually, and then they throw us a bone, half a bone. You know, that's very so, well put. You know, so yeah, it's 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 you know, like we it it has to be a grassroots. It has to be because um, you know, I was I was I I you know like asked the question. On oh, I saw uh, Kit had showed Diane Sayre protesting Gillibrand. I didn't know that this went down. I was like, oh man, I would have liked to have been there. But you know, she was doing uh, a Jose Vega thing because they like know each other, and mm-hmm. she she was calling her out on her being part of a hit list. Um, if if you saw, she'll probably explain it to you this coming up Friday. But I know she explained to kit about chuck schumer put her on a hit list um yep. to be killed okay all right, so you know about it yeah to be killed because uh now that we say that uh ukraine is a is um no russia is a sponsor of terrorism uh, something like that she ended up getting put on a hit list um i forgot the specifics of it um but but yeah I, it seems to me her wheelhouse is foreign policy just by the way, it's, you know, as I said before, whatever the case is. Um, and uh, I, like, I think the best, if, if you take a look, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to break this down of this thing that I wrote. Jose, when he was on Hardlands Media, he said that I said to him, hey, yo, look, you say you're going to run for uh, Congress against uh, Richie. Richie Torres. Say, like, why not? You, why not run? You know, for a state house or whatever. So, when what he was saying was that they believe in a top-down strategy, and that, uh, and and uh, what he says, uh, he he says blah 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 about this about state government and blah 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 whatever the case is. But we think we can affect change from a top-down approach. And I'm saying to myself, that's a Democrat strategy. That's a you know because. When Howard Dean was the, what do you call it? Was the DNC chair before Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Oh, by the way, I, I, I met him in person. He came over here to Hashi University um, so a couple of years ago when Stacy was originally running for governor. And, um, you know, I'm listening to him talk and I was just like, eh, this guy's kind of turning a bit. And I, I, remember, I remember there was this, this college girl that was so like enamored by him or whatever the case is. I didn't want to break her heart. I was just like, oh, you'll figure it out sooner or later. But anyway, um, 
she had, I mean, he had, um, did a 50 state strategy that's in 2006. This is the first time I found out about midterm elections, by the way, because back then before Obama, I did not, I hated politics. Uh, uh, I paid no attention to politics. I never knew what uh, midterms were until they made a big deal about it the day after election when Nancy first became the Speaker of the House and Harry Reid came in there. And I was like, what, there was an election? And um, that, it wasn't just the Democrats swept that, the you know, the House and the Senate, but they swept across like all 50 state houses, you know, you know, and Dean had talked about a 50 state strategy that Wasserman Schultz threw out you know, just, just threw out and tried to do that top-down strategy. And under that top-down strategy, uh, under Obama's first midterm, they lost over a thousand state houses. They lost 60 house seats. They lost, uh, you know, like uh, 14 governorships, you know? So I was, I, I was just, I was just saying that, you know, like, let me tell you something, just like I said, and they play, we are both playing a game of chess. Not one play chess and other ones plays checkers. We're just playing two separate types of games. If you take a look at what, and I want everyone to look this up. If you ever heard of them, the conservative, um, con no, sorry, the Convention of States Action Project. What they're doing is they are doing a bottom-up strategy, okay? Where they know that, okay, this is ridiculous how we put our president in there, we get some stuff done, and then the next president comes in there who's Democrat, it you know, it, it puts us back and they keep going back and forth. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to do structural change. And what, what they're trying to do is this. Um I'm pretty sure you already know how the Constitution is amendment is amended. So I'm just gonna say this for the other folks that don't know. Um, there are two ways to amend the U.S. Constitution. The most common way is two-thirds of both chambers of Congress, 290 of the U.S. House and 66 of the U.S. Senate, propose an amendment that Congress then sends to the states for ratification. Fancy word of saying to sign off on. For this to happen, both state legislative chambers of three-quarters of the states in present case, 38 states, have to ratify it. Once ratified by a minimum of 38 states, it goes into the Congressional Archives as it's made into an amendment added to the U.S. Constitution. Now, the other way, this is the way that they're doing. Now, the other way, the path least traveled is both state legislatures of two-thirds of states, which is 34 states, force Congress to call for a constitutional convention in which Congress says, okay, state, send your delegates to D.C. to write the amendment. The delegates go into a room, they hash it out, and once done, they send it back to the states where both chambers of each state legislature of three quarters of the states, that's 38 states, sign off on it, ratifying it as it gets added to the Constitution. So um, now, they're only, now they're doing that second way because they see that it, that's a viable path for them, okay? And what they and the things that they got planned, they're talking about doing structural change. This is bottom up. This is the reason why I say we gotta do bottom up also, okay? As they're doing their bottom up, all right? Because there's a few, there's a few things that they want to try to. Um, so this way, there'll be 34 states, right? One of the things they want to do 
is repeal the 17th Amendment, which is direct elections of senators. So before the 17th Amendment, okay, what would happen is the state legislatures appointed senators to go to Congress. So if there's 34 states, if there's 34 states that uh, are, are controlled by Republicans, that's a permanent 68 majority in the Senate. So forget about your judges getting approved. You know, they, they're just going to block all. That's a veto-proof majority, matter of fact. So um, they'll have like, and, and as, as of right now, in 2010, okay, when they, when they had that big red wave, Republicans control 14 states, both state legislatures of 14 states. Now, remember I said they need 34. They need control of both state legislatures to control both, um, what was it, to, 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 oh yeah, of 34 states to call for a constitutional convention. So let me ask you, do you know how many states they control right now before this election? How many? 30. What? Yes. They are four states away from controlling both chambers of the state legislature to force Congress to call for a constitutional convention. And they are talking about doing structural change. Now, some of this stuff you would actually like, and some of it you'd be like, eh, you know, whatever. So I'm pretty sure the one we all disagree with is repealing the 17th Amendment, which is direct election of senators, okay? Um, the other thing they plan on doing, and like I said, you you would like some of this stuff, and some of it you'd be like, eh, you, know, you could change that up a bit. You can alter that. So one of the things is term limits, 12 years for the U.S. House with four-year terms, 18 years for the U.S. Senate. All right, I could, I could roll with that. But they want 24 years for SCOTUS. I'm like, eh, maybe make that 15 with a minimum age requirement of 65. That's just this. This is just me adding on to that. I want them to be too old to be thinking about their next venture where it could affect their judgment on a case that might come across their docket. Just go off and retire and do some speeches at some community events, public colleges and universities. Like, we, I don't want them retiring too young where they're like, hey, I'm going to go and do some venture capitalism or whatever the case is. Oh. I'm getting a case that has to do with venture capitalism. Like, no, I want you to retire, be old, do some speeches, some colleges, whatever the case is, right? Now, the fourth one they want to do is a balanced budget amendment. Now, here's the thing. This one used to panic me until I heard Steve Grumbine talk about Congress has the power to legislate money into existence. And Dr. Fahil Kaboob said the same thing, but they could do it with a coin. So right. this, this would say the government can't sport spend more than it has or takes in. This has more to do with limiting the borrowing power of the Fed. This is an attempt by righties to seriously diminish the federal government's ability to uphold its constitutional obligations of ensuring the promotion, providing, and financing of the general welfare as required for the situation needed. Conservatives want this because it would shrink the size of the federal government and fiscally hamstring the federal government to meet our obligations to finance needed things through taxation. Because, of course, everything is about taxation with these guys, right? So, however, 
This amendment, like I was saying before, would not make any damn sense because all 50 state governments are required to have a balanced budget. The reason is because states are not currency issuers. States pay for things through taxation. So this is why there are balanced budget amendments in all 50 state constitutions. It makes sense because, yes, you can't spend more than you take in. However, applying this to the federal government would make this amendment a waste of time, seeing that we have sovereign currency. Congress is a currency issuer. Congress would still have the constitutional obligation to pay for things via the 16th Amendment, but all the, the, the ability, the income tax. But also, like Steve Rumbine and Dr. Hill uh, Kaboob said, Congress doesn't have to tax to pay for things. They can legislate the money into existence as well as both them and the Treasury Secretary can mint a coin, platinum coin, assign whatever value it wants and appropriate towards the intended target, no taxes needed. So that amendment is a waste of time. It's like trying to put regulations on VCRs and eight tracks in the year 2022. So the other thing they want to do, because the, you know they on the, you know they on this taxation bullshit, right? They want to move the tax deadline from April 15th to the day before election, because they think most people when they go to vote they're like, oh my taxes, you, you know what I mean? Like people are not thinking, right. Right, right. So that's that's the they, they want to move it. So when you go into the voting booth, they're going like, "Oh, those liberals raising my taxes," you know, you know, shaking their fists in the hand in the air, whatever. So the uh, other thing they want to do is reauthorizing federal bureaucracy. This would allow regulatory agencies to expire unless they get an okay from Congress to keep them in existence. Just a way to keep the federal government small, preventing it from regulating big business in Wall Street as they harm communities, the environment, the economy, working people, consumers, etc. Although there is something to be said about allowing them to sunset the NSA, the CIA, DHS, and the FBI, who have completely violated our civil liberties, committed uh, human rights violations, violated our fourth and 14th amendment rights and set the globe on fire, putting us in perpetual conflict and warfare to expire with a whimper. So on that part, it might not be such a bad idea. So it could be good and it could be bad. You know what I mean? Um, other thing they're trying to do is redefining the commerce clause as it is, as it is used now where it gives power to the Fed to lay government oversight via regulation over how commerce is conducted between the states, Indian tribes, and foreign nations. The reason it came about in the U.S. Constitution was because the Constitution was ratified. States acted like their own foreign countries unto themselves, made it hard to compete with businesses in other states, and tied the hands of the Feds to negotiate trade with foreign nations. Before the new constitution was ratified, the country was governed by the Articles of Confederation. That document was tailored to a newly formed nation made of states acting more like independent sovereign countries than a United States. Conservatives would like nothing more to go back to that style of government, where the federal government is unable to ensure the rights of citizens guaranteed to us by the U.S. Constitution, but the states can operate however they feel uh, with no one to give uh, over, oversight. So they, they want to stop. Uh, the other thing they want to stop eminent domain, that's not such a, <laughs> the reason why they want to stop it is different than, let's say, how black people might want to stop it. So if you remember, 
one of the reasons the reason why they want to stop it because they going through history um the origin of uh eminent domain is during reconstruction the 12 years after slavery where union troops were put in the south to be the bodyguards of uh, freedmen former slaves as they swept into power in state government one of the things the federal government was talking about as reparations was to give former slaveholders land to former slaves freedmen since they were the ones that did the work tilling the land i say yes to this because when black people freedmen in this country post-civil war 20th century were able to own land we had it taken from us by force coercion or eisenhower's federal interstate highway program that just completely barreled through our communities completely destroying our economy and our way of life to create what we drive on today as we go state to state. We don't want the government taking it away from us. I'd much rather the federal government offer them a check to buy the land, how much ever it takes, depending on how the federal government, how bad the federal government wants it. The other thing they want to do is remember when I said uh, it takes, so it takes 34 states to call for a constitution. So remember I said before, if the if the proposal starts with the federal government where it's uh two-thirds of both chambers of congress where they send the um proposal to the states and two and um uh, uh three is it 34 states believe have to uh sign no 38 states have to sign off on it and if it starts with the states then it 34 states propose it, but then 38 states have to pass it. They want to make the proposal and the um, what do you call the thing and the um, and the ratification process both 34. Um, I don't think that's Roger. People, is there any way you can put this information in the chat? Because I think people might be getting a little confused. If do you have sure. this written down somewhere? Yeah, just so people can remember they yeah, have something yeah, to go yeah, back, back to. <laughs> like I know what you're talking about, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 no problem. Um, but yeah, that they want to do, they, that, that's pretty much, pretty much they are four states away from, con, from being able to call for a constitutional convention and make structural change. So it's important for us to do a bottom up approach as well and, and stop doing these top down strategies. But yeah. Well said, Roger. Well said. Okay. I, I'm going to bring in Ashura here. I just want to make sure I get to some of the other callers. Okay. Ashura, you're on the mic. I'm curious to hear your take on this. Uh, as for AOC, like, uh, how, how long is it going to take for people to wake up? <laughs> I mean, we got the dancing video, which is my favorite. <laughs> Basically showing she doesn't give a fuck anymore because she's made it to the top. I mean, I, I question when did you actually sell that? Did you sell that at the door? When she finally got in and got her bag, <laughs> remember they were giving out bags for free, like Gucci bags or some shit like that. I forgot what it was. They were giving out free free bags, free expensive bags for people coming in, and basically they made you sell your soul for Israel. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, uh, how long is it going to take? Are people going to willingly to walk away from the Democratic Party? Because AOC is just Democratic Party light. She's not. She's not a progressive. She's not a. She's not a socialist. She's a Democrat, and I'm. I'm like, well, well how, how do you basically take your own fucking money that people donated, 
and you gave them the corporate Democrats, the corporate Democrats are just running from you, run away from you like you're in a fucking plague or some shit. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons why it infuriates me when I hear uh, Republican outlets refer to AOC as a socialist, because for people who don't understand socialism, it gives them the impression that she's fighting for those those issues and she's not. And it makes people think people who are not aware of what socialism really is. It makes people think that this is far left when it's not far left. Democratic socialism is not far left. And you have so many people because of outlets like Fox News. And some of this is on Bernie Sanders, too, because Bernie Sanders isn't a socialist either. And you, you have these out. You have these outlets that put out that message and they will look at people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and they think, oh, yeah, they're communists. They're like way out there and far to the left when they're not. I'm not going to pretend that I basically identify as a what a socialist or a communist because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be real with you. I don't know what the fuck basically either one is. Basically, I just I just look at the 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 the. the uh, the bullet points exactly what 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 both sides want what both sides they want what they don't want and i i, I just want to basically deal with the uh, the things i agree with you know kind of like when, when people say well just talk about the issues so i'm more of an issues kind of guy than basically say i'm a communist or i'm a or i'm a socialist well the key piece though for socialism is this idea that workers control the means of production and AOC and Bernie Sanders that, and other that, that does that. Hmm. Wasn't that communism that that was controlled the means of production? That's basic socialism is controlling the where workers own the means of production. So people like AOC, Bernie Sanders, and the Squad, they've never mentioned that. Even if you look back at the Justice Democrats' uh, principles from the very beginning. That piece was never mentioned. This is why it frustrates me when people say that they're socialists because they're not socialists. What they're asking for are basically some reforms to this current system that we already have. They're not asking to take over the system, to abolish the current system and build something new. They're just asking to implement a couple of reforms here and there. That's that's not a socialist. How much reform are we are we talking about here? Like twenty percent, thirty percent? Why just basically uh why not just strip strip the band-aid off and just let the fucking wound just go go raw? Well, there were a long list of reforms on the platform that they are supposed to do. It was over twenty items that we went through. We went through it on the show because I wanted people to see they're not doing any of this. One of the things that they were supposed to do, and I think this piece is very important, which gets left out sometimes, but one of the things that they were supposed to do is that they were supposed to implement a third party movement. So the progressive Democrats, the justice Democrats that got in, what they were supposed to do is to help make third party candidates and independent candidate candidates more viable. Now, how do they do that? By changing the election system. They were supposed to do that, and none of them have done that. In fact, you never hear them talk about third-party candidates or independent candidates. They don't even support it. They're comfortable operating in the party. 
I remember Jimmy talked about that. They, he said something about they tried to make a third party within the Democratic Party, but it turns out it was just a Democratic Party light. It wasn't a third party because the Democrats basically, they swooped in like eagles and they basically told them, guess who's boss? It ain't you. And uh, I want to ask you a question. Who does the thumbnails on RBN? Is it, is it CJ or Nick? Uh, most of them are done by, well, it's, it depends. JB does the ones for his show. I do the ones for my okay, show. Okay, there's but a one CJ that just does the other one just popped up right now, and it's a funny thumbnail. Basically says, "Dear Mama Bear, I was just kidding. Sincerely, aspiring Mama Bear." And there's the picture of uh, Parmela Jayapal. <laughs> yeah. So, did you hear about them retracting the Ukraine letter? Oh, I think I, I think I read, I, I, I heard about it like maybe a week, a week ago. Either it was you, Jimmy, no, this, or, or, or no, RBN. This, Not RBN, uh, uh, Hardlands Media, maybe somewhere. But I knew the no, letter this, was there. This, no, this happened this morning. This happened today. The Progressive Caucus, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, wrote a letter, drafted a letter to Joe Biden. Uh, yesterday, that letter was was revealed. And they signed the letter and the letter was asking Joe Biden to call for peace in Russia and Ukraine to avoid a nuclear war. So that letter went out and all of us talked about it. And then today, Pramila Jayapal issued a statement saying that they were retracting the letter because um, McCarthy, Republican leader McCarthy, agrees with that same position. So basically, they pulled the letter back because they didn't want people to see that there is some type of bipartisanship on this issue. And everyone um, is calling them out for it. Every, even uh, people who defend the squad were calling them out for it on Twitter today. Um, I do have one question, though. Maybe I'm confused. Did they not do something like that before and they stopped the letter? Not um, not with uh, Russia, Ukraine. Wasn't it that something was with, um, That was something else, I think. Okay, okay. So I'm probably mixed up on that, but I'm not surprised with this one. If you if you're trying to do something to stop the war machine or whatever the fuck, you're gonna have them sending a letter and then stop it midway. I'm like, this is twice now. But the like, letter but the letter wasn't supposed to be sent. Apparently, according I don't know, I don't believe her either, but Pramila Jayapal said that letter was drafted several months ago. I don't know how many months that was, but she said it was drafted several months ago and she said it was not supposed to be published without being being vetted. And I call bullshit because they signed the letter. So what is there to vet it after you already signed it? Maybe it was on draft. <laughs> no, I think that they got they got shit for it after that letter came out yesterday. I think they got a lot of shit for it. And that's why they retracted that letter. And the only person, and by the way, none of them are speaking about this. The only person who said something about it publicly is Rokana. And Rokana said, we should not be silent on this. So he took ownership for what he did. He said, yes, I voted to send money to Ukraine. Yes, I signed that letter. We should not be silent on this issue. And that was in response to another person's tweet who called out squad members asking them why they're being silent. Okay, so. It wasn't to stop the war, but to fund the war. No, this letter was to, it was a letter asking Joe Biden 
to negotiate peace okay. in the event so that we would not escalate to a nuclear war. That's what the letter was. And they but, pulled it back today. But I think it's it's so fucking stupid just because the other side says, let's come together and just end this shit. Because this war going on is basically causing a lot of fucking pain. <laughs> As Jimmy jokes about it, uh, the only people that are suffering is, are the American people and anyone involved right. with this war. Even I, I'm pretty sure Canada does too, because I, I noticed that the fucking pro, uh, the food prices are going up by two dollars. Uh, well, like, the, the UK, just FYI, the UK is suffering really bad too. Yeah, because I fi- I find it funny that uh, they can't have Republicans basically take a win, even though they talk shit about you know bipartisanship. Now you don't want it. Like what the fuck? Right. Exactly, because that's the narrative that they want for the Ukraine, because basically it's them admitting, look, uh, we need to stop this because we can't keep all this money keeps going out to them. And not only that, but, you know, now Putin's threatening to or not threatening to, but saying that he has nuclear you know, weapons if if need be or he has other weapons if need be. So they're like, OK, so now this is getting to a point where. This this might be a serious problem, right? Like a nuclear war, obviously. But in doing that, you're agreeing with Kevin McCarthy, who's a Republican, and that's why they pulled it back. And I call that like cowardice. I think it's bullshit. And Ilhan Omar's response was, timing is everything. And I, I responded to her on Twitter and I said, girl, bye. Timing my ass. Like they're they're pathetic, Ashura. Yeah, they're basically clowns. Like even the people who defend them can't defend them anymore. No, it but it's but you know what? I hate to say it, or not I hate to say it, but they would hate to say it. But Jimmy Dore was right. He he was right about them after force the vote. And some people still I wouldn't admit that. But he was right but all sure along in reference to that particular situation. He was right. No. Anyways, I'm gonna let Delphia. I think on. Jimmy is so on. Hang up. Okay. Alrighty. Thanks so much for calling in, Ashura. I am going to bring in Dave. How are you, Dave? What's going on? Hello. I'm not sure if you're talking, Dave. I can't hear you. Hey, hey, Savvy, I heard you. Uh, I just, uh, I had to do, I have to click two things, uh, looks like, here to get in. Oh, uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Hey, how are how are you, Seth? I'm doing all right. You know, I, I it was interesting watching people, <laughs> watching people basically shit their pants today on Twitter. People that constantly defend the squad. I was just like... Well, you guys didn't want to listen to us when we told you who they really were. We were called bad faith actors. Now you see, they they can't even they can't even have a backbone Ugh. on something something like war, like nuclear. They can't even have a backbone with that. I mean, I don't understand. You know, normally you if you're running, I mean, they're I, I don't know if you run on a dem socialist platform in Boston or the Bronx, you're. Ayana and, and AOC, you're not, 
you're pro-war in every case and you're I mean, have people have do people know what's gone on over there? I mean, like the Russians had to the, the Russians have lost like over the Russians have had a major war going on on their board. Like, I mean, they 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 had to mobilize the whole population just now for that. Like they're defending they're actually defending Moscow and Russia now because they're facing NATO, you know, the, the whole. I mean, I, I don't think Americans understand what's. Uh, like they don't. they don't understand yeah so uh yeah most, i mean i could make some comments about the war i can yeah, tell you that war, but yeah i can tell you most people that i've spoken to dave don't know that history that you just mentioned like i i usually have to tell people the history because most people don't know about that right right people should watch uh you know a good way, good way to review some of the recent history like since the 2014 uh, and the Maidan and the uh, the, Ma- the Maidan coup and the Minx the Minx agreement is um, uh, Garland Nixon's been covering it on Rockfin, interviewing Scott Ritter Scott Ritter and then uh, like Aaron Maté and Max Blumenthal talking to Scott Ritter. In past, I mean, I don't agree with everything Scott Ritter says, but in terms of like you know what like how Russia felt so threatened by NATO and how the people in the Donbass and those two areas of Ukraine of Ukraine were subject to shelling and not and nazis mobilized nazis you know before that's that's why the russian one of the main goals of the russian invasion was to denazify the those provinces and and a lot of the russian speakers there had asked them you know had asked them to save to to save them uh so i I don't think people understand what's going on over there and and the u.s military has been the u.s government has been you know, beyond fascist on this. So, yeah. Yes. And I also want to add too, there are journalists on the ground uh, over there, like Wyatt yes. Reed's over there. Uh, Fiorella yeah. Isabel is over there. Now, Eva, obviously. Uh, Eva Bartlett is another one. Eva Bartlett. Yeah, that's right. Like the people on the ground, you know, you're never going to see these guys uh, on corporate uh, mainstream media telling people what, what's happening over there on the ground. Because again, the narrative is controlled. And the the mainstream media, for the most part, says the same talking points that the State Department does. And that's a big part of the problem. So that's why I said most people I talk to don't know the history of it. Uh, Even the whole like notification issue, you know, many people I've talked to didn't know about that either. And I'm like, really? But then I have to remember the space that I'm in, you know, like I'm in a space where... Uh, it's a little bit more known in independent media. It has been brought up at some point or another by people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you're not watching independent media, you don't know. And, and you're right, right. Like Garland Nixon right. has been yeah. covering this a lot. Um, yeah. So I think that it's just like I said, the, uh, the majority of Americans are propagandized. And I, this is why I said, like when I made the comparison to the Iraq war, one thing that is similar is the media. Because the same thing with the Iraq war, the media, you know, told us that we were doing the right thing, that there were weapons of mass destruction. It wasn't until years later that it was acceptable to say, oh, wait a minute. They told us a lie. They sold us on a lie. And yet people, for whatever reason, who were around during that time and know that the Iraq war was just one big fat lie, they it's like they're not even second guessing what we're being told by mainstream media about this war with Russia and Ukraine. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's, it, the, yeah, situ- it's full on emergency situation right now. I think, I think I'll, I will be out doing anti-war, pro- I will be out anti-war protesting and rallying people to do that in the next couple weeks. It looks like I'll be doing that here. Um, but uh, what was the, oh, oh, the other, uh, the thing, oh, well, the other person I wanted to mention, uh, oh yeah, Wyatt, Wyatt Reed almost, she almost just got uh, killed a couple of days ago by uh, artillery in Donbass, uh, hit his uh, artillery hit the hotel he was staying in. Yeah, he's um, on a list. Yeah. He's on a list along with uh, Roger Waters, by the way. It's amazing that Roger Waters may now be killed by, like, basically the, the U.S. and U.K. government, the, the most famous, like, frontman, you know, of Pink Floyd may now be ki- basically be killed by either the U.S., U.K. government or, like, an independent bad actor inspired by that, that because of his activism. Now, it, that, that's crazy, you know, but... And I will also add this, you know, you know, it must be really difficult for people like defending the squad because the thing is, is this is like, they tell us that we're too hard on the squad, but the squad continues to prove us right every time with their actions. I mean, the squad has failed. I mean, I don't understand what Congress, especially the New England Congress people, I don't understand what every bit, most of the veterans I talk to, veterans I know personally, People that served in like the 90s or the Iraq War of, the, of 2003, that period, all, and other better veterans that I see that have served in the recent, like say the last 30 years of wars, that the, I they most of them I talk to are very against the U.S. military policy right now. Um, like I would say 75% are against the U, like uh, U.S. involvement in Ukraine, and they and they just sent the 101st Airborne. To the that 101st Airborne is right on the edge of Ukraine at this moment. Five thousand guys in that guys and women in that in that division. I, I don't. What's going on? I mean, Jesus Christ! Listen, all I have to say is this: Joe Biden has only been in office for at the time he had only been in office for a little over a year and already got us into another freaking conflict. And it's a recurring theme. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we have a Republican president or if we have a Democrat president. They're both warmongers. They're both two parties that support war because there's profit to be there. And until more people start to call this out, and I mean, not just those of us that are in media, but the American people need to like really call this out. Like you're seeing them send billions and billions of dollars out the door and you can't feed your family. They don't have any money for us, but they have money to fund for, for war. Yeah. On a positive note, I mean, you're, you're dead right, Savvy. And on a positive note, I do see like the chatter this week in, you know, in independent media and left media, like, you know, p- places that where that gather people together, like your show, the your show where you have a hundred people talking to each or more talking to each other. Like, I'll, I think a lot of those people are moving to act like they're, I think they're moving to action now. Some of those people. So that's, I mean, one positive thing, I, maybe with you, with UNAC and other, those other convergences, there'll be, maybe people will do some serious protests. You know, I'm not sure what street protests will do, but because the military is so locked down in the, in the, like separate from the, you know. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I know there's a protest that's um, going to be happening next week for Haiti. And the same yes. thing. 
like U.S. That's very important. That has to be stopped. That has to be stopped right away. Yes. Like this is this is horrible. Like this is absolutely horrible. Like I don't think I've experienced this in my lifetime (laughs) where we're in multiple conflicts at the same time internationally. I, I, I heard how many did you hear how many people have been killed in Somalia, the fighting in Somalia? And I'm not I think a lot of them at the hands of U.S. helicopters and this like hundreds of thousands of people. Apparently, apparently it's already over 100,000 people killed in Somalia in the recent fighting. And the U.S. is bombing Somalia. My God. Uh. And it's no different from, you know, still like selling arms to Saudi Arabia. And they have pretty much committed like genocide in Yemen with the arms that we sold to them. Yeah. It's it's appalling. And it's just again, like if you talk to people who are from those countries, not Ilhan Omar, because she's in Congress. But if you talk to people everyday people that are from those countries there's so much they can tell you just so much i mean i have a friend that's from um actually i have two friends that are from iran Uh, one was born in the u.s one was born there and grew up there Hmm. and Hmm. you know you you have to talk to those people because it's appalling they'll tell you about what the united states government has done to people in their country the story that you don't get to hear yeah but here yeah. we are, yeah. here, here we are once again, the, the weak progressives. And I, I call this out to everybody. I am dead serious. Contact Justice Democrats, email them. There's a phone number. You can call them and tell Justice Democrats that they need to remove every single member, progressive member in Congress from their website and from their organization. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea of, uh, of hitting the Justice Demo- like hitting that hitting them with uh, lots of phone calls. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's their organization. I mean, the organization is pretty much complicit with all of this. When do they hold the progressives accountable? I've never once seen them hold the progressives accountable. In fact, at one point, I think this was earlier last year, where they were running cover for Nira Tandon. The entire yeah. organization has been co cover for Nira Tandon. <laughs> yeah, the Center for American Pro... I mean... I'm so glad I had Jimmy, like Jimmy, Do- I'm glad Jimmy Dore is out there because that's how I learned about Neera Tandon and uh, uh, like the specifics of what she was doing. But doesn't Zain- Zainab, your friend Zainab Day has sort of has the inside on the on the Justice Democrats uh, falling, like falling apart. Right. Yes, because uh, she worked there like she actually she was a part of brand new Congress. And then they like I said, they did that merger. Yeah. So Zineb like knows a lot about what the original plan was for Justice Democrats. And that's why I said like part of that that strategy was to start a third party movement and to make third party and ind- independent candidates uh, more viable. They never even implemented that at all. They they got these this group in. They focused heavily on AOC. And that's why I still question, you know, I know that they said her district was the one that was probably easier to win. But I would have argued that Ayanna Presley's district was the easiest to win because, again, I was in Ayanna Presley's district at that time. And the guy right. that she was running up against, like, he was weak. Like, I watched the debate. Like, he was weak. And he was an incumbent. And he had been there for a while. Mike, Mike Capuano. He's talking about Mike yeah. Capuano. Yeah, uh, Mike former Capuano. Mayor, like, former mayor. Of Selma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was just very, like, comfortable. And, like, he was yeah. this man wasn't trying to fight for anything. And so. No. I, I argued, I was like, 
oh yeah, like she's gonna win. Like she's definitely gonna win. Like there was no way. Like you watched the debate. He didn't hold a candle to her. I but thought she was attention. gonna. I thought Ayana like when I first met. I met her when she. Well, I met, I've spoken with her a few times. You know, I met her when she was first city councilor at like a union when I was coming to a union type event. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her and I sort of, but I had heard that she worked for John Kerry, that she had been like high up, that she had been like one of like a fixer sort of for John Kerry. So I already knew that when I met her. So I was kind of, I was a little bit wary of her, even though it seemed like she was doing some good things on the city council, you know, at that time, this is like 2009, 2010 or something. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, locally, locally, she did pretty well. Like for people who don't know, um, one of the things that Ayanna Presley is responsible for, at that time, there was a limit um, in reference to uh, license, like bar license and restaurant license here in, in Boston. So they mm-hmm. weren't going to give out like more like liquor license and stuff like that to some of the newer establishment. Well, obviously, that really hurt the restaurants and bars in the black neighborhoods here. So Ayanna Presley's argument was that they're not going to be able to make a profit the same way the businesses are in the predominantly white areas if they don't have those licenses. And that was like a, a rule that was on the books where they were like, we're not implementing any new ones. And so she pushed for that. She pushed really hard for that. I, rem- I remember and that. I, mem- I remember some of that. Yeah, it was like pe- people in Roxbury Do- and Dorchester wanted to start new bars and they weren't being allowed to. And uh, I think that's what I remember that. I think it wasn't yep. just, I mean, it was in uh, a lot of black, majority black or black, black neighborhoods. People wanted, people wanted to start new places and they were, they were limiting the liquor licenses. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really hard for people, for those of you listening, like if you don't have that license, you're not really going to make any money. Not even enough to pay the rent on the property. That's just basically, that's how it is. And you would have to close at a certain time. And yeah. So, so that was like a big deal. And she also, there was something she did in the public school system too, um, uh, for the students as well, like locally as a city counselor, she was doing, doing really well. And I argue she, she should have stayed local. Like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And she went to Congress and get co-opted. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I saw her and Elizabeth Warren were approached also um, mm-hmm. at a student loan event that they were doing here in Boston. That video is going around on Twitter. And they were confronted by people in the crowd saying, why did you retract? Well, what about the Ukraine war? What about da da da? What about nuclear war? Why did you vote for the funding? And of course, neither one of them would answer the question. And what they don't understand is not speaking, just like what, what uh, Rokana said on Twitter today, being silent and not saying anything, that actually just makes you look worse. That's right. Look, it's very, very when you get elected to Congress, that's when you're, de- you're now dealing with war and peace issues. You're dealing with the military. You're dealing with the, with the disposition of the federal government. That means that if you are, an anti, if you are a progressive anti-war war congressperson, I mean, look back on the history, like, you know, who do we remember from the from the 1930s? Just that, you know, we we remember, you know, we remember the labor uprisings. We remember we don't yep. remember. There aren't very many Congress people. You remember from the 1930s. Right. But so but if you're going to be a fucking Congress person, <laughs> if you're going to be a high and hierarchical, you know, Congress person. And you go in there and you're representing Boston, which is a, which is not in favor of the of the U.S. military's maneuvers right now. Even the people that are in the military, a lot of them aren't in favor. And 
you have to re represent on that. And that means calling out, you know, the rest of the body on the floor of the of Congress. It means offending the other, at least on that issue, calling out the other Congress people on that and also organizing resistance to it in your capacity as a congressperson. But none of the Massachusetts Congress people have been doing that. None of them have been organized. You know, the US government is so frail and not people oriented that none yeah. of them have been, I mean, I'll, I'm, you know, now I'm starting to rant, but none of them have been organizing, you know, local, local support on an issue. They, the Congress people rarely do that. In fucking Massachusetts, they have the cradle of fucking liberty, right? So anyways. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, a lot of these people like they're they're bought off and like they're just making the money now. And that's all they really care about, because it's not just the salary that they get. There's also all these speaking events that they have, like they get paid for that. They get book deals like they they there's a lot of money into it. They got that money now and they want to hold on to that. So forget, you know, fighting for the people. Forget the Justice Democrats like ideology that you signed a pledge for. They're just trying to get paid now. And another problem, too, like you just said, we don't remember Congress people from the 30s. We remember the labor movement. That's another problem in the sense that a lot of these Congress people have been made into celebrities. Like we know their names because we see them on Time magazine, on Vogue magazine. Like, why are yeah. these progressive yeah. members sitting down with like GQ? Why are they on the cover of GQ magazine? I don't I don't, you know, I. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't understand it. The what is it? Uh, you know, Naomi Klein and others have written about that, like the the fusing of the fusing of Hollywood celebrity with uh, with political celebrity and stuff like that. You know, I don't want to get all intellectual, but like you know, that phenomenon. Well, yeah, yeah. This is this is absolutely ridiculous, you guys. Like, think about this. Why are some of these politicians treated like celebrities? <laughs> this is this is insane. Like this should not be happening. And I'm trying to think back to like when I was growing up, where like congressmen and women treated like celebrities back then. No, not to the extent now. Like you know this is freaking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep. I mean, I, I should. You should get to your other callers, but I, you know what's interesting is that they are very weak in terms of like if things got worse, like if if there's more poverty, if there's more breakdown of society. You know, they're very weak in terms of you know how like how many people they could get out to a demo like say they had to get people out to a demonstration to do something locally to protect to pr protect the government or themselves i would say that most pe most people wouldn't rally for you know i would say a lot of union leaders and not and nonprofit leaders could rally more people than than congress people <laughs> right now you know in terms of press pr press the flesh type stuff so I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it might be true. It's, it's crazy. It's it's just insane. Like, and it, it's just, you know, social media, I guess, doesn't help either because it gives them another chance to, you know, elevate their, their platform and things like that. But it's just, this is unbelievably ridiculous. And Bernie Sanders is, is just as guilty as well. He's making excuses for Pramila Jayapal. Like, don't even think about, you know, if anybody ever meets Bernie Sanders before 2024, Pass this message on to him. Tell him, don't you even fucking think about running for president again. I might, <laughs> like, I, I might see, I might see that that MF because, like, because my brother lives in Burlington. So yeah. Anyways, yeah. man. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Dave. I'm gonna get to uh, Delthea here.
Yeah, good luck to you, Seth. Okay. Miss Delthea, you are on the mic. Greetings. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. You're a little bit low. That could be me, though. Let me see. Oh, it could be me. Is that better? A little bit. How about now? Okay. Okay. I got a new laptop. I'm not trying to find the mic. Okay. <laughs> tonight, tonight, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a bedtime story. And oh, you let me get, get the popcorn. Let me get my popcorn. Get your popcorn. <laughs> Everybody else, y'all get your get your get your cocoa. Get your milk and cookies. Are we ready? We are ready. Okay. You work in a fourteen-story building, and there are two elevators. You get to choose one to go upstairs. Now, in the first elevator. There's a fully grown tiger, and he's hungry. And in the second elevator, there's a tiger cub who has been totally and completely fed. He's not hungry one bit. And every morning, the receptionist asks you, which one would you like? Would you like the large tiger or the small tiger cub? Well, naturally, you choose the cub, and you get in the elevator, and the tiger cub is so cute, and he's so tiny, and he just wants to play, and you pick him up, and you cuddle with him, and every now and then, he swipes at your hand, but it's okay. Sometimes his claws are out, sometimes they're not, but when they're out, it leaves a little scratch, but that's okay, because he's just so adorable, and then when you get off at the 10th floor... You go to the nurse's station, she slaps a Band-Aid on it, everything's fine. Now, this goes on for a while. Time passes. Now, that first tiger, the big tiger, he devolves into a saber-toothed tiger, and he's still hungry. Very, very hungry. The other tiger grows up, but he's still fed. You're used to him. He's used to you. He's not going to eat you. So you get in the elevator with him. Now, because you like him and he likes you, every now and then you'll pet him and he'll lick you. And sometimes he'll swat at your hand. Now, this time it doesn't leave a scratch. It leaves a gash. And blood is gushing. But when you get off the elevator, you go by the nurse's station. She stitches you. And if necessary, she'll hang a liter of blood and fill you right back up. And every morning you have to make the same decision. And what no one ever tells you, not the receptionist, not the security guards or anybody else, is if you walk through the lobby and go down the hall toward the restrooms, there's another door down there. It's a door called Stairs. And there's no tiger on them. But it's a 10-flight walk-up. It's hard. Now, you have to decide 
Do you want to walk up Ken Blaze or do you want to ride with a tiger? Not an easy decision. But I'll help you out a little bit. If you get up early and you bring your sneakers, you can walk those 10 flights. And at the top, you'll be tired, but you won't be bloody. And I don't know about you, but I'll take tired over bloody any damn day of the week. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's your bedtime story. Any questions, kitties? Damn, Delthea, that was such that was such a good story. Like that <laughs> that makes sense, especially the part when you said what no one ever tells you is that if you walk through the lobby, there's a door and there's stairs. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. That's the problem. People are looking at the two elevators and not looking for another way out. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the whole point of it. It reminds me of um, an episode of um, Lucifer where they show you what hell looks like. And everybody in hell is in a different little cell. And the doors are open, but the people inside never look to see that the doors are open. We don't have to live the way we're living. So y'all have a good night, kitties. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Delthea. Very well put. Very well put. She's right. We don't have to continue to do. I mean, you know, some of us, some of you um, listening have already probably left the Democratic Party. But it's just... (sighs) It never made sense to me how people can go to vote and look at a ballot and you have all these options and you continue to pick Republican or Democrat. It just, it really does not make sense. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Danielle. You're on the mic. Hello. Greetings for you. How good are to you, talk Danielle? To everybody tonight. <laughs> I'm What's doing good. I'm trucking along and trying to survive like everybody else. What's your take on all of this? Okay, so um, I wanted to um, I wanted to talk about um, both the um, what we were talking about tonight. First, AOC, and the first thing um, that I actually I couldn't believe because I don't know if everybody else remembers, but Pod Save America was not kind to us during the time where you know during the Bernie movement. I don't know if everybody remembers that, and even Obama going on in 2020 totally trashed Bernie, trashed all the things we were talking about. Oh, this is why we can't do Medicare for all, and it's not reasonable, and they're all sitting there, you know, because they. Um, Pod Save America, as you know, is in cahoots with the Democratic Party a lot. They wrote a lot of Obama's speeches and still write um, for a lot of that uh, Democratic uh, pop propaganda. But I found it hilarious that she was on the show that they bashed her too. Um, uh, but then it's, um, you know, she's fooled. I mean, they're they're Democrats now. I don't even consider. I don't think any of us do consider uh, that we have a progressive anything. Um, we do not. Um, they prove that. And um, regardless of 
what they say, like even back to um, when we were just discussing um, Ayanna Presley, and she she said a couple of things along the lines of um, being threatened and bullied and everything. And to be honest, like, I wish if these things and I'm sure they are going on, but we could have their back if they tell us if they were transparent about what was going on, if they are being bullied, what's going on, what happens? They should have been with us the whole time. As soon as they got into the party, whatever happened, say, hey, this is what's going on. I'm getting calls and this lobbyist is trying to get me to do this and Pelosi's you know, bullied me or threatened me with this. Tell us about it so that we can help you and, and, and then you help our movement because that goes to my next point is that I think that the, the, the way that they've behaved has totally hurt a progressive movement. It's put a stain. It's put a stain and mistrust in people because we were like, yeah, even when I'm looking at candidates that I'm interested in, even now, like now in the back of my mind, you can't help but think about them and what happened. And um, so they hurt us. Of course, we're still moving forward and we're still liking people and interested in people and trying to get people elected. But they definitely hurt hurt us um, in the future. I have a couple of things that I wrote down. Um, then I, um, I do want to um, – you actually hit the nail on the head earlier. And as soon as that was all happening um, – I'm going to move away from that subject, but on to the progressives and their letter to the Democrats. Um, as soon as that happened, I was blowing up on my Twitter with my take on this because it you you said it like you the to read the room. We could see that the American people, regardless of what letter you were writing to who you the people, you have to get them. So we have to find a way because we don't have the media so we're not going to get the media to help us be anti-war or to stop imperialism. That's an absolute no-go. We do not have them. So now we have to strategize a way of how to, how do we get an anti-war, anti-imperialist message to the masses? Because like you said, Republicans and Democrats both do the same thing. They just have different people that they do war with. They have different, you know, Trump was doing the same thing. I would argue with uh, people like, oh, we didn't do. Yes, he tried to, though. He did kill General Soleimani. He tried to start a war with Iran. They didn't take the bait, but he tried. And I do remember him sending 60 Tomahawk missiles into Syria and other things like he was trying to do war. Nobody took the bait, probably because they realized this man would probably, you know, he's he's out of his mind. Um and but who knows for whatever reason, but they didn't take the bait, but he tried. Um, but in the end, they all vote for the bombs regardless, um, with 80 percent plus um, backing and a very small faction of us that is against war and, and imperialism. But anyway, I think their letter was whether it was political theater or not. It doesn't even matter, because until we change the minds of American people on this we are never, there's always going to be a war. You really have to, that's the part, that's the key. And now it's how do we do that without the media? Well, there's another thing too, I was just, I was wondering about, and thank you so much for calling out Trump for that as well, because I've have seen people over the past couple of weeks say, well, Trump wouldn't, Trump has never, uh, you know, given aid to, to you. That's actually not true. 
uh, Trump also gave aid to Ukraine. I don't think people don't talk about that because yeah. maybe it wasn't as um, it wasn't as 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 mainstream as it is right now because obviously Russia and Ukraine are are at war. But Trump also gave aid to Ukraine as well. So I, thank you so much for pointing out that he also was not anti-war. I mean, I don't know where this is coming from now all of a sudden, but I think people have selective memory sometimes. But um, I think in reference yes. to, like you said, with mainstream media, yeah, that's that's the biggest hurdle. What I want to know is what happened to all of those protesters and activists during the Vietnam era who protested against the Vietnam War? And why don't we have that same energy in this country today, given the fact that we have social media, we're able to reach more people on these platforms? Where's that same movement today that happened during the Vietnam War? Yes, it is absolutely absent. And I think there's different reasons for that. And one of them is one that bums me out all the time. And in that is when I talk to people, especially younger people that have no idea what's going on. They don't. They just, they're absolutely, they're not engaged. There's not enough people engaged in what's going on. And to be honest, a lot and there's a huge portion of them that do not care that they don't care and i don't know that that's a part of it too is getting them to care um because that's all part of it too is reigning in people trying to get people to care and uh that's that's hard in itself it's hard in itself to people the people that we can reach people that are engaged but the people that with the ukraine flags and the uh these are people that have it's going to be hard to get through to them. I'm not saying that it's impossible. They have had decades of the propaganda. They've had decades of the media and thinking that. But it's also that strange thing, Sabby, where there's a part of me that I just don't get it because I, I look at all the failures, I, Iraq, Afghanistan, and all of these failures and you would think that that would be that would be enough for the people that are engaged to be like no wait we should think about this or there's got to be another way to do this or to strategize um and they're not with us either they're where they're with them and um you saw that too you could see it in the comments you could read the room or the faction of us that is anti-war and anti-imperialism is not big enough and we need to change that somehow Yes, and I really want to know what happened to those people. What happened to all those people who were very vocal? And keep in mind, this was before we had the internet and this was before we had social media. What happened to all those people that were very much against the war in Vietnam and were protesting that war? What happened to all those, those young voices back then? I wonder if we can find any of them and maybe just to, just out of curiosity to see, like I wonder if there was any like groups, like named groups that we can see um, all I remember from that, the big, everyone remember always, um, Jane, <laughs> um, and I know she, um, but she's still, I mean, she's the democratic version of what she used to be back then. Um, mm -hmm. not so much an ally to us, you know, just a little, just a little bit of an ally, just a teeny one, not big enough though. That doesn't, doesn't count. Cause like when Cynthia McKenney said, I love it. When she said, when they join the evil, they're, they're no lesser. They are the evil. That's right. That's that's 100 percent. I think that. We have to get like that type of energy again, 
And I found I feel like mainstream media really did find a way to manufacture consent because what they did was I think they looked at something like the protests that were against the war in Vietnam and said, you know what, we can't have that happen again. So when the war in Iraq happened, and I always go back to that one because I will always remember that one. When the war in Iraq happened, again, I didn't see protests against that war. In fact, people who spoke out against the war in Iraq were shamed and were shunned. Some people lost their jobs because they spoke out against the war in Iraq. Uh, so they found I, yeah, a way. I don't remember any movements in the street. No, not one at all. Like if, if you were against what well, people don't understand um, for people in the chat that may be uh, younger, if you were not around during that time, nobody, there was no type of movement against the war in Iraq. There was no, you know, even the protests that are happening now in reference to um, the U.S. intervening in Haiti, uh, what's happening in, in Iran, there's protests here for that. Those kind of things, like when the war in Iraq happened, there was nothing. Everybody just believed the narrative that we were told, what most people did, believed what mainstream media said. And, th and then it was like years later where they admitted, yeah, the war in Iraq, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a lie. There were no weapons of mass destruction. And it was just, and that's what I'm saying. Why haven't people learned from that? And they still will sit here and watch mainstream media and trust them when they're talking about war and they're talking about conflicts abroad after what we went through with the war in Iraq? And that's the part I don't understand. I know the corporate media still has the ears of a lot of the boomers and the that crowd from that era. So I don't understand the support. I I don't. And for those that make the argument, um, I got into it the other day with a, a Republican person and they were making the argument that maybe we've done these things so that we can be number one and that is laughable in itself and that too that number one that first of all like that you would say that that you would say that it's all right to kill millions of people to have all these foreign the the evil behind that but the the, the notion that we are number one in what um the wars benefit people of wealth, people that have uh, people that are entangled in monetary uh, where they're going to gain from the wars and um, they hurt the rest of us. And um, so even you can even make the argument e even to to save your argument, you can you can use that when when talking to Republican people who um at least the ones that are, you know, the, the, like the, the rest of us, you know, the 99% of us, uh, that, that you can make the argument that they do not benefit us um, uh, to what? To our crumbling infrastructure and our our garbage, our, just the way of living and cost of living and schools and just everything. And um, it's just, yeah. Well said. Well said, Danielle. Thank you so much for uh, calling in. I'm going to go to Saul. And for some good reason, night. Thank you, Sabby. Thank you so much. Um, I think this app is a little glitchy because I see people mentioning Zineb's name in the chat, but I don't even see Zineb on here. But Zineb, if you're here, if you can call in. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and go to uh, Saul, make you the next caller in case I invited you as a speaker. But I, I honestly think this app is being glitchy. Go ahead, Saul. Hello? Saul? 
I don't know. Now I can't, uh, I can't hear Saul. Saul, do you have the volume on? Oh, I see Zineb now. Okay, I'll invite you to speak. Saul, I don't know what happened, but I can't, uh, can't hear you, bud. Can anyone else hear Saul speaking? Let me know in the chat if you can hear him. Anybody? No, you can't. Okay, so it's not just me. I'll invite him as a speaker. Again, I think um, the app is being uh, glitchy. Case, what's up, Zineb? What's up? Hey. Greetings, greetings. Zineb, what's your take on all this? This whole like thing with them retracting the letter and AOC well, funding corporate know, Democrats. Like still worded letters. We were talking about Iraq before, right? Just a few minutes ago. I remember the Democrats sending so many strongly worded letters, like more moderate Democrats, you know. They wrote strongly worded letters about the AUMF, the authorized use of military force that our presidents have been using more and more. Every time before election season, there's a strongly worded hello, letter. Hello. But, you know, I was thinking about one other thing, too. There's two things going on here. There is a legitimate war, but then there's a distraction in the politics of war. Right now, that is literally all everyone is talking about. No, we're not. I, I agree with the last caller that there's not massive protest about this war, but it is literally all anyone is talking about. In the meantime, in our state, they are privatizing our schools. They're stripping away our education. They are... Um, passing right to work laws they're passing anti-abortion laws they're you know some states are becoming hyper theocratic it's crazy nonsense but we're distracted everyone's only talking about this war that's all people are talking about and in my lifetime this has happened probably six or seven times or more as soon as we hit a recession or as soon as we hit you know a recession like we're in right now it, a suppressive time that's very hard on everyone economically, like in 2008, there's some kind of massive conflict that everyone's talking about. That's the most conf most important conflict of, of the history of our time. So that the strongly worded letters plays into that. They just retracted it so that they could play both sides, you know, and then it's like, oh, they pressured us. So they have like an excuse to play kind of both ways. You know what I mean? But I, I just, I think it was all bullshit to start with. And then blaming the staff. Oh my God, that was stupid. Hello, hello? Hello? I hear you, Saul. Saul. Um... Oh, hello, hello. How are you doing? Hello. I didn't hey, Saul. Change... Yeah, I didn't change anything. I don't know. I think it was the app. <laughs> How you doing, case study, my brother? Thank you so much for your knowledge. And Roger, you killed me tonight. Like you blew me up last time. Now you blew <laughs> me up again. And Delphia with that story. Oh my God! Like oh, I'm, Delphia had a great story. Oh, totally. I, I love it. So blessed to have found y'all. You guys are amazing. Like when I think of my, when I have my thoughts, I'm like, oh my God! Like I'm I'm still like a a juvenile compared to you guys. And you guys are younger than me. I'm I'm a Gen X. Can you hear that? You're a Gen X, soul? Yeah, I'm Gen X, my sis. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm okay. well in my I'm well in my prime, my sis. 
I just I'm just a very youthful person with an old soul. So the reason why I call myself soul because it means one, the sun. So I I I am always like looking forward to your to your to your um podcasts and, and YouTube and and now that I met Case Study and Roger Roger Meadows, I didn't know he was black. I thought that he is the man <laughs> on mainstream right now. Like he supports every indie media that I I have come across, like the good ones, not not the TYTs, not the other people that we have all there out there. But oh my God, man! Like I am today's years young to know that Roger Meadows was black. <laughs> I saw Roger and I thought I thought it was another <laughs> Roger. But that's Roger Meadows that Jimmy Dore always says, oh, a tip from Roger Meadows, a tip from in HLM, Heartlands Media, a yep. tip from Roger Meadows. That's the guy. Oh, my God, man. I'm, <laughs> I am I am in the I'm in the presence of greatness right now. Like, but the thing is, like with AOC, let's take it back to the subject. That girl got me pissed. So pissed. She's Latina, man. She's making me look bad. I'm Latino also. So for her, she was already making money before she even became a politician. And she lied to all of us. She got Jimmy Dore to endorse her and, and all these people to get on her side. And the squad, the same thing. Like, they came on like darlings. Oh, my God, look at these people. They're like us. They're black. They're, they're, they're from Africa or some other place that we are from. And they lied to all of us, man. I mean, I don't have the intellect to, like, grasp the all these laws and the way these people become to get into office. But I know that from, from jump, the United States have stolen and lied themselves into war to take lands and properties from indigenous people, from, from anybody they could. That's basically how it works. And like for us to, to like, I, I grew up in the eighties. So in the eighties, I was like shielded from that. I grew up in the Carter administration. Like I love Carter. Like everything was cheap. We could afford shit. And then Reagan came in and he just fucked up the whole shit, like trickle down economics. That was the biggest lie ever. Like it was like, you know, the diamond pyramid, you know, like, you know, the scheme, you know, the Ponzi scheme, trickle down mm -hmm. economics. So I was like, oh, my God, like I never cared about politics because I came from a small country called Dominican Republic. And we were like captured by the United States for a while. And we had dictatorships. So I know the hardships in Haiti because they're my neighbor. I feel for Haiti because they come to my side of my country and they try to sell their goods. But the Dominican people that are there, they're like, oh, my God, they're taking our spot. We're trying to feed our family while they trickling down into our part and try to sell their goods. I'm like, listen, you got to be open because these are your neighbors. They had no choice of being there. They had no choice of being brought on a boat and told this is your language. This is your culture now. Enjoy it. And then they fought for their independence. And now America comes in again. Not even again. Like this comes back so many years, so many decades that Haitians have been used for, for political gain for the American you know, dream, you know. And the Cubans also. The Cub Cuba has nothing evil about them. And, and so doesn't um, uh, being a socialist. A socialist is making sure that your brother and sisters and even your the people that live next to you are fed. So to me, socialism is the right, right, right way to go. I just learned about being a Marxist, and I, I fell in love with the whole idea. Because that means my brother gets fed, I get fed, everybody's happy. Sorry, I, mm -hmm. I just went on a rant there for a second. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, 
I want to bring Case in here um, as well as get and get his opinion on this Case, as well. Case, but... Case will shut me down right now. <laughs> Can everybody hear me? I just want to make sure I'm good on the mic. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's def- definitely very disappointing about the progressives in Congress. And um, I found out about it this morning when I started. Clipping oh, sorry. It. Sorry, Case. Sorry, Case. This is my initial thing that I was going to say. We should take away that word. We should not call them progressive at all. Because they yeah. don't do anything progressive. They've never been progressive. And all they do is media bite and photo op. So we should not even call them progressives. I mean, left wing, right wing, same same animal. We The the eagle has to fly with both wings. We can't fly with one. No, uh, 100%. And it's, it's, it's like, uh, I think you mentioned this before, Savvy's, where it's Fox News, they just get the terms um, wrong. And they always they think they think Joe Biden is far left. You know, they always talking about how he's a love you, Cookie. Sorry, I stole your question. (laughs) Uber progressive or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah. So I found out and I saw that morning Joe was mentioning or talking about the letter, and and they were saying it in a very you know I should say Joe Scarborough was talking very he was very condescending about it like all oh, these progressives and uh, what they're doing they and then I, I i i also clipped um rachel maddow i found this later on in the day oh, yesterday about how she said oh the progressives have a letter and they're trying to have a diplomacy with russia and she get she had like a face with it i'm like she's a great actor she's a great actor come on you're supposed to the the people that you're the biggest enemies with that's who you're supposed to sit down and have a comment even even um barack obama he said before he while he was running for office he said yes i'll sit down with our enemies and talk with them and while hillary clinton was like um bashing obama for saying that but this is the same case. Yes, we have to sit down with russia and have diplomacy and figure out okay how we need to stop this Everybody's not going to be happy with the the deal that we come up with, but we need to end this march to World War Three. Um, right. The last one yeah, more thing I want to say is that you said that um yeah there was an Iraq War protest. I remember watching Fahrenheit 9/11 from um what's the name Michael Moore, and I feel I, I mean I could be wrong. It's been so many years, but I remember that before. I, I'm pretty sure if, um that uh George Floyd probably had the biggest amount worldwide protests i'm pretty sure yeah from what i understand they had those caliber i don't know if it was as big as george floyd but they had huge people marching all around the world for war against iraq now the difference is savvy is that that. they didn't show it on tv now me personally right if i didn't watch tv where i lived I wouldn't really know that even George Floyd like protest was going on if it wasn't on TV constantly, if it wasn't, you know, the video of George Floyd and et cetera, et cetera. The difference is back in when Iraq war was going on, they didn't show the protesting. So that's I, I think that. that's the difference between then and now. But I would have to rewatch Fahrenheit 9-11. But I'm pretty sure I remember seeing he had the clips of just massive amounts of um protesting and stuff like that going on but i'll hand the mic back that explains it then case that explains Mm -hmm. it yeah because i definitely did not hear about that but you're right that goes to show you what mainstream media chooses to cover and what they yeah yeah what they choose not to cover i think it has been cultivated this way though i mean it was leaning that way they wanted to capture media first actually because that was the the last like um line for us to have a voice they wanted to capture that voice which was media 
So now, since of YouTube and the internet, they can't hold that voice back because we have indie media now. They, they, they tried because they still, you know, the reason why it's still so prominent in our culture that, you know, mainstream media is making so much effect on how the older people think, because I'm older, but I'm, I was always aware of where I was at. Like, I didn't have to, you know, we're black or Hispanic. We know where we're at. Like, we, we always find out how, how to find our way around this, this thing called America, because America is, like they said, a dream. A dream that you have to be asleep to to actually enjoy it because the people that are asleep they don't care about what's really happening to their to their world or and, and because America has always been a um, a melting pot of different cultures and now they want to you know the, they, they want to um like whitewash everything that made America great which was the 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 Chinese, which did the railroad tracks, the the Irish that that became you know the police force, and and the Italians and, and, and the black, the mic, everybody, they just took that and tried to whitewash it and into oh we're America who who is America the white guy over there with the you know Colt forty five or the cores in his hands <laughs> saying yeah America that's not America man these are people that that took the land from the people that they gave them a way of living like was which was the indians because when the pilgrims landed here they didn't know how to cultivate the land they didn't they would never survive without mm -hmm. the native americans so when all the french the the dutch and all these people came in and they separated the lands we were like a, a an afterthought after the fact so to for us to think that america is ours we have to claim it because if we don't claim it, they're going to still keep whitewashing us because they have control of the media right now. And the only reason why we still have a little voice happening right now is because of you guys, because of RBN, because of HLM, because of Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore, you hate him, love him, whatever he is. He's a, an Italian-American married to a, a Latina-Mexican-American. That that dude, he, he woke up a lot of people, and he is still misguided because he has – Jackson Hinkle on his show, which is, I don't understand why, but that's my only take on that, on him. But to me, like, all these people has woken up right now, and we have to stop letting them use the power that we took in the words as progressive, leftist, socialist, whatever you want to identify yourself with, that is something that we have to take back because the mainstream media is trying to co-op these words like woke like you know present like being yep. here so yeah exactly so this is what i feel when i hear you guys talk i'm like yes yes and when case talked to me about you know um ballot initiatives like oh my god i should mm -hmm. learn more about my state you know i should learn more about how i can do stuff that i can make a change because he said the change is right in the mirror you are the change without us there is nobody else that's going to stand up for us because we're the minority because they call us the minor minority because we're not the minority we are the majority they're the one percent scared shitless that we take our power back yeah I, I will add to first of all you had me at cult 45 i just thought about billy d williams that oh yeah baby you know what i mean you know what i mean <laughs> yes of course oh billy d was the man no doubt Oh, man. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, mainstream media controls the narrative. So that's a big part of it. But I'm, I'm honestly sitting back and I'm wondering how long, how long before someone caves? 
Because I think it's getting to the point, like, again, like we have social media now. So there's mm-hmm. other ways that people pressure these politicians. Like right now, like when I woke up this morning, I told you guys that was the first thing I saw on Twitter and everybody was attacking them. Like, every, like even people who usually support them were like, what the hell is this? Like David Sirota said something about them. David Sirota yeah. said, I have the tweet here. Let me, um, yeah. let me pull up my little thing here. This is what David Sirota said on Twitter. I he call said, him my Sharona, by the way. My Sharona. <laughs> he said, um, but look, I don't consider myself on the left because this is what the left is now. And whatever this is, is just not what my politics are about. So I'm just observing an interesting dynamic. Conservative leaders cultivate their media. Left leaders hate their media. And that's part of a thread. It's a long thread that he has here, but he had a good point that like, it's true. Um, You know, for, for him to even like admit that, you know, I think this is, there's been several mask off moments, obviously, but I think this one really is like, why would you pull back a call to not escalate to, to a nuclear war? Why would you pull that back? You know, they're just so weak. They're weak. They're pathetic. And no, I, I told they're, they're you not weak. This. They're not weak. This is the thing that we think that they're weak. They're not weak. They have their marching orders. They don't have any sense of themselves. They are political careerists. They don't care about the policies that they ran on. That's another thing that we have to stop thinking that these people were up there like, oh, we voted for them. They said so many nice things. But as soon as they get up there, they, they get a script like Bernie Sanders. He was like getting close to win. He was so close to win. Like he got his shit stolen. But then he got his marching orders like everybody right. I'm else. Gonna, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something my dad told me like after um, after Bernie Sanders suspended his campaign in 2020. Mm-hmm. My dad said, Bernie Sanders, based on the data, like, you got to remember, like, my dad's yeah. I was following that shit so closely like he's, hell. He's, <laughs> Up to the coin the flip, the coin flip. I was yeah. like, oh, my fucking, they went down that, that's sad. That's fucking sad. Yeah. This is stolen. Yeah, because yeah, my dad's so go like, ahead, baby. He's, he's ex-military, so... He doesn't go off of feeling or emotion. He goes off of data. And my dad called me and my dad said, based on the data, he said, Bernie Sanders should be president. Just based on the numbers and the data. It was a landslide. You could see the numbers. It was a landslide. And they're like, overnight, it just went, Biden is fucking ahead. What the fuck? Right. It doesn't make any sense. And so he said, based on that, and he said, He told me, he said, I hope, he said, I know you're disappointed. He said, but I got to tell you that this is exactly why I don't trust politicians and I don't Mm -hmm. trust the political system. I will listen to your dad like 100%. Yeah, it just, it, so my dad has always been an independent and he didn't tell me that for a long time, but like he never, even when Obama ran, my dad was just like, meh, and I, and I was Obama stan. In 08. I, I don't know dude, if you guys know that. Hey, hey, you're not alone on that because I loved Obama. His wording was poetry to me when he spoke. It was he he laid it out like silk, like like a true player. He just laid it yeah. out like silk. And yeah, he I got loved, me. He got me. He got me too. Yeah, I loved like I was like Barack. I was like, this guy's talking about hope and change, and he's talking about what we can do and all the kind of stuff. And he talked about healthcare. Because remember, originally 
the whole um what we got with Obamacare Which became Romney cares. <laughs> right. Right. Originally it was more it was more aggressive, right? And so or what what he wanted to do originally was more aggressive, but I was an Obama stand. So when my dad told me I said, Dad, Barack Obama won. Things are going to change and improve. My dad he just gave looked you that at look, me right? He gave me that look and he said, yep. okay, we'll see. Yeah, like <laughs> wait, wait and see look. I love that dad look. That's the best look ever. Your dad is on point. He, I mean, I think most of us are on point here, like case study. I don't know how old case study is, but I remember like before my time because when you, when you come into a country, you have to learn the history even better than the people that actually live here. So I did my 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 um my uh, my studies in history basically like I learned by my culture and the culture of America because I wanted to be included. I loved the American flag. Oh my god, getting the American flag on my lawn was the shit for me. And my parents, my everybody was so proud. Become a citizen, become a citizen. That was their role in my life. Like I said, I was the one that was that that was the last one to become a citizen. And I was here like since 1980. So I waited until 2015, I think, to become a citizen because I said, you know what? I don't need to be a citizen because I'm already like I'm already I, I live here. This is my country. I, I've been here since I, this is all I know, basically. So people that think that, that move into this concept like America is the, the place to be for progress. Yes, it used to be that way, but that used to be for the white folk. The white folk had that 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 advantage on us because when we take off to run a track, the the white person already has like 300 meters ahead of you as the starting line, and you are at the back, all the way down there, looking for like, ooh, the horizon is over there. But that white guy, why is he up there? Why can't he be with us? We can just you know run together and get to that goal that that is the American dream. But no, it's not like that. It's always been you are not as uh permitted as the white folk the white folk go first you go second and whoever is on the line after mm. very well oh. said so a uh, case oh, i want to bring you in here yeah. yeah so i'm going to be 39 on friday <laughs> that's the first of all. oh dude you're getting there yeah. bro yeah yeah i'm getting up there and don't worry then, it's um, not scary I did not vote for Obama, thankfully. At first, I was guilty. Well, I didn't either. I just loved him, though, by the way. That's all. Sab, did your dad vote for Obama? I'm just curious if you don't mind me asking. He did not. Okay. I was, <laughs> oh, I'm I was in love with your dad now. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and can I read real quick? I'm not going to take too much time. This is the reason why I did not vote for Obama. I looked up um, Obama telecom immunity in google yes and that's a good new, one new york times um article came out. i'm just gonna read not too long at all obama voters protested switch on telecom immunity senator barack obama's decision to support legislation granting legal immunity to telecom communication companies that cooperated with the bush administration's program of wiretapping without warrants has led to an intense backlash among some of his ardent supporters, thousands of them are now using the same grassroots organizing tools previously mastered by the Obama campaign to organize a protest against his decision. This was by James Razin in uh, July 2nd of 2008. So this is before, um, I believe yet, November 2008 is when he got elected. So this is right before he got elected. And me personally, I think this was a signal, the reason why he switched, and that's when he lost my vote, by the way. Um, the reason why he switched 
in my thinking of, you know, I don't know for sure. Um, so this is a, my allegedly hypothesis. He had to signal to the some people call them deep deep state, the elites, the establishment, whatever you want to call them. Hey, he hey, had to signal to them man, that he was man. cool. She's like, hey, I'm not that big of a hope and change kind of person that I'm portraying myself to be. Hey, Case, and, um, but go ahead. I think, that, I think that Obama was already groomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even after he, he just popped like, up into the scene, like, yeah, who who is this black guy? Like, we have black people running for president. Oh my god, that was my impression. I was like, oh shit, we got. He was overnight sensation. Mm-hmm. He, he came was out groomed. of nowhere. Yeah, he he came out of nowhere. I, I was shocked when I saw him. I saw oh shit, a brown face. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to listen to what this man this man has to say. And his words, yeah. like I said, was silk. But we and can't Joe be Lieberman caught... was his mentor. Yeah, exactly. Oh he's so one of the worst kind yes. of matter of fact, he changed from being a Democrat to um independent because he was so such a like a neoliberal he probably even more worse than a neoliberal. But um, yeah, Obama. He definitely was the type of person that he he saw. He was polished. He's a politician. He was so polished. So yeah. polished. In two thousand and six, Obama did a speech at um uh, some university. The, I think I remember the that the DNC. No, he was oh. one of the headliners for the DNC. Okay, and um, I remember hearing him speak. And I turned to my boyfriend at the time and I said, they're going to run him for president. And he's like, the what? This, this, this guy from Illinois. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, and, and I was like, I was like, he is way too polished. He has sparked fire. He's from Harvard because it's always the Ivy Leaguer. He even has that Southern twang. To his voice, he he knew how to manipulate the vocals too. But you know what? Uh, Matt Taibbi has an excellent book called oh, Hate good. Inc., yeah. and it talks about how the elites, the establishment, they have their like six to eight people that mm-hmm. they run right, and there's certain factions of the elites that back certain people, right. And and but but one thing that they do have is solidarity. When they do find that one person that's the most popular that they know could win, they all go around that one person. Whether like they see their candidate drops out, like so for example, I'm sure Kamala had a certain faction of people, but when they saw that she dropped out, they moved on to the next person. And matter yeah, of fact, yeah, um, it was down the line. It was crazy. The the congressman in in Chicago that started the Illinois Black. Black Panther Party with uh, Fred Hampton, he supported uh, Kamala Harris and then ended up supporting imagine this, uh, a former Marxist that supports the biggest capitalist to ever run for office, Mike Bloomberg. It oh was, I mean, it's the biggest but, disappointment. I'm on the look Because you know what I, I've noticed, a lot of these people that I've spoken to, a lot of people that I've interviewed, a lot of these uh, revolutionaries for back in the day have sold out. They became neoliberals. They became neoliberals. Even earlier today, you know, CJ had pointed this out to me because I hadn't seen it and it broke my little heart that Ralph Nader is out pushing Democrats now. No, because he's getting marching notes now. Like he been, uh, uh, Nader has been fighting the system forever. Like ever since I known he's been Uh fighting the system. Now he's like, he got somebody scared him off. Mm -hmm. And it's Bobby Rush, by the way. That's, that's yeah. 
Yep. I remember he on um Democracy Now he had a debate with I believe it was Cornell West and he was supporting um um Mike Bloomberg and Cornell West was supporting uh Bernie Sanders and they went mm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you can add a lot of people. You can add Angela Davis to that list too. Mm-hmm. She she's another one. She mm-hmm. she's another one out there that sold out. Like it's just, you know, we we can't what I've learned after uh, like a lot of these interviews, I've learned we can't look to them. Hello, NBCIT. How can I help you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like we can't look to them anymore. We really can't. Like I- I'm sorry, but they're comfortable now, and they're not really looking to to fight the way that they did like back in the day. And I think some of them have also been co opted. To be honest with you, yeah. I just it's just it's really upsetting. But um, so I do want to make sure I get to the other callers. Yeah, get bad cookies in here. All right, let's bring in Bad Cookies. You are on the mic. Good evening, Sabby. Can you hear me? I can. Excellent. All right. Well, um, Soul really did steal my question, but I'm going to go into it anyways because I prepared it. So here we go. Um, it's it's odd, too, because I like having Case and, and, and Zainab here for this conversation because I really want to make a clarification when it comes to AOC and the squad. I think it's very important that we clarify that there is no such thing as a progressive in politics. I'd like to make my case by saying that you can be a politician who supports progressive values. However, there can be no such thing as a definitive progressive politician in politics. Now, I would like to state my uh, defense as there are certain Republicans who support progressive values. Would you consider them a progressive candidate? I would, I would argue no, because you would consider them a hardcore conservative candidate or a conservative uh, politician. Now, with AOC and the squad claiming this title of progressive Democrats, we have to evaluate where that term originally came from or where it became mainstream. And I would like to point out that that came from uh, Bernie Sanders back when he started his quote unquote revolution. He coined the, the term socialist Democrat and progressive Democrat because he wanted to create a false dichotomy so he can differentiate the people that he wanted to separate from the Democratic Party and and kind of be like, ooh, look, we're, we're different from these guys. But as they have proven, beyond a shadow of a doubt to this point, that they are just far beyond being what a progressive politician would be. So I really think it, it's a very imperative thing that we stop calling any politician progressive. Because like, I'd, I'd like to point to a... John Fetterman to this, because John Fetterman used to call himself a progressive Democrat, and then he dropped the title. The reason he dropped the title is, and these are his words, his quotes, oh, that's because all Democrats are progressive. We all support progressive values. And to a certain extent, he is correct. That is, that is what I actually agree with him on. I'm like, you know what? You're actually correct on this. When a politician supports progressive values, that does not make them a progressive. They just support progressive values. So my question to you, Savvy, is how 
logical is it or how likely is it that we can separate these terms from um, the linkage that was created to create this false dichotomy? I think like we're, we're going to have to be the ones to change those terms. It's unfortunate, you know, because the Democratic Party has co-opted the word uh, progressive. If you look at the progressive caucus, most of those people that are members of the progressive caucus actually are not progressive. Like how did Ted Lieu get there? So it's it's just but this is Bernie Sanders fault as well, because Bernie Sanders co-founded the progressive caucus. And again, he let the Democratic Party get a hold of it. And now anybody can be a part of the Progressive Caucus. Chantel Brown is a part of the Progressive Caucus. So it's just all those people don't even support Medicare for all, by the way. Uh, Sheila, um, I think Sheila's on there too. Just some of the people that are listed there as a part of that caucus. When I looked at those pictures, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So this is a big, a big problem. And I'll say this as well. Like, this is why I keep telling people, and I know, I do understand that local politics is not as interesting and it's not as sexy, so to speak. But this is where you're going to do the most electorally is on the local level. And I'm not just saying that because I live in a ballot initiative state. I'm saying that because there have been things that we accomplished here that was not a ballot initiative. A lot of people point to Massachusetts for um, legalizing gay marriage, right? So they were like, Massachusetts was first one to legalize gay marriage. That was not a ballot initiative. That was not something that people here voted on. The reason why that was done is because the organization GLAD actually sued the superior court in Massachusetts because they were not allowing gay couples to get married. They wouldn't give them a marriage license. It was a couple of couples. I think it was like seven of them that were denied marriage licenses. So GLAD got together and said, you know what, we're going to sue the superior court because this is not right. And once they got that lawsuit, that was when they changed the law and, and legalized gay marriage in Massachusetts. But that pressure came from an activist group on the outside that were not a part of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And they're the ones that put the pressure on them to make the change. And that happened rather quickly, actually. So this is why I tell people, this is where you're going to get those wins. Like some of the things we're trying to ask them to do on the national level, why, why does it not happen, right? Obviously, number one reason is because of money. These are Two corporate parties, you might as well call it one corporate party. They're controlled by their donors. They're controlled by Goldman Sachs. They're controlled by Raytheon. So they're controlled also by the military industrial complex. And that is who they serve. Okay, let's say you get through that hurdle. Now you got to deal with, is it going to pass in Congress? And if it passes in Congress, is it going to pass in the Senate? And then usually sometimes where you get stopped is right there in the Senate, whether we have the majority or not. Because there's been times when we had the majority, Democrats had the majority in the Senate, and they still didn't pass legislation. That Why didn't they pass uh, ending, why didn't they end the filibuster in 2009 when Barack Obama, under his administration, Dems had control of the Senate? Why didn't they end the filibuster then? So you see what I'm saying? It's always going to be a reason, some type of excuse as to why they don't get these things done. They're trying to use the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade 
as an excuse to get people to come out in the polls in the midterms. And based on what I've seen from the polls, it does not look too good for the Democrats. And I said, this is not going to be the issue that's going to get a lot of people to come out and vote. It's not the big win they think it is because the economy is a fucking disaster. And that is the number one issue that people are upset about is the economy. So this is why people need to fool everybody, all of you listening, whatever state you live in, you need to organize in your state. You need to pay close attention to local politics. Who is your mayor? Who is your city councilor? Do you know who your city councilors are? What is your governor doing? Like, and I'll be honest with you, like I watched, like Zineb mentioned this earlier about local politics. I watch left independent media. Not that many people talking about local politics, but me. And I know it's it's not as, again, not as sexy or whatever, but even last night I had a local candidate come on. Not many people are doing that. When we talk about third party and independent candidates, I'm the only one in left independent media that's bringing on third party and independent candidates on the regular. So we have we have a system here that is not the the independent media system that we have is also complicit in some of this. They're not giving these people opportunities. They're not talking about these issues as well. So if that's the case, this is why we're not getting anywhere. But if we talk about what we can do on the local level, I'll point to a red state, South Dakota. Did you guys know that South Dakota has Medicaid expansion on the bill, on the ballot this November? Did you guys know that? I I did not. Not that many people covered it. I had people email me and say, thank you for talking about my state. Because because of South Dakota, most people don't want to talk about it. There's like, "Uh, who lives in South Dakota? They have that on the ballot for this November. Now, is that single payer health care? No. But still, people should be talking about it. And their state uh, legislator, their state congressman, they actually tried to change the rules so that this wouldn't even pass on the ballot in November. And guess what? The people voted and pushed back against it. They tried to make it so that even if you had a majority vote on this issue, it wouldn't pass. That's what they tried to do. So I covered that. Definitely watch that video. It's the the South Dakota Medicaid expansion, and that is going to be on the ballot in this in this November. Look at all the things that have passed in California locally. Look at the things that have passed. Even Florida, which I still say is a red state. I don't know why people keep calling this swing state. It's not. It's a red state. Even Florida passed the 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 right for fifteen, like minimum wage. So when people say, "Oh, it's only the blue states that are passing these things," no. When you take the policies and just put the policies on the ballot and you remove the policies from a candidate and a party, people vote for the policies. Yes, that you do it. So it's not attached to a political party. As long as it is attached to a political party, it is going to be a problem. People are going to side with their their party, even if they agree with the policy. And you can see that from the exit polls. Like I talked to multiple people who told me, yeah, I think everybody should have health care. Okay, did you vote for Bernie Sanders? No. <laughs> Why not? I'm a Republican. I vote for my party. You see the problem? Yeah. No, no, it's all true, Savvy. Because, uh, well, that just supports my, my, my theory that we shouldn't be calling these people progressive, uh, progressive Democrats or anyone in politics progressive. Because like you say, you know, if, if, the policy itself is strong and it gets support 
you don't need to label it progressive. If it's a progressive value, it will be progressive on its own. You don't need to label it anything. And if a politician who quote unquote is progressive supports it, well, then he supports the progressive policy, not himself or herself being progressive. So I, I just do not agree with uh, sitting here calling them, oh, well, these are progressive Democrats and these are your establishment Democrats. No, we've we've played this game long enough to understand that there is no difference between them. We shouldn't sit there and, and differentiate between them. Uh, continue this false dichotomy because it's just it's a falsity. It's not true. It's it's a lie. And that's pretty much what the, the I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tabby. No, I was going to say exactly. And in all of you and for people, if you have friends that do want to do that uh, Justice Democrat strategy, tell your friends to contact Justice Democrats, like I said earlier, and and demand that they remove every single progressive member from Congress from their website and their organization because they are not upholding the principles. Everyone should be emailing them or making that phone call because I'm sorry, but like they don't get to still just have that title just because that's what they ran under. They're not upholding the strategy and they're not upholding the principles. And part of the problem that we have is that there are people who have been running cover for them and protecting them the entire fucking time. And I'm talking like in in left independent media, TYT Mm -hmm. has been protecting them. Majority Report has been protecting them. They'll criticize them a little bit here and there, but not enough to the point where it'll piss AOC off because they're still hoping that she'll come on their damn show. This is a big part of the problem. So you got Bernie Sanders protecting them. You got Nancy Pelosi protecting them. You got Joe Biden protecting them. And you have left independent media, the the bigger channels, with the exception of Jimmy Dore. You got them protecting them, too. This is why they don't do any damn thing along with with the money, but the reason why they don't feel any pressure to do anything is because they are fucking protected by the establishment and by the independent media. Yeah. Yeah, no no fucking joke. Cuz uh go ahead. I mean, look at uh look at Chank. Chank uh Chank Uger sits there and he he defends them unconditionally. Like it doesn't matter what they do. You know, they used to say Trump could sit there and kill kill a baby on uh, on the White House lawn and he'd get away with it. Well, right now, AOC can sit there and kick a baby in the street and Chenk Yuga will sit there and be like, why was that baby in her progressive footway? You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And, but you know, one thing for sure is going to happen is TYT, uh, Breaking Points, and a lot of those other networks are going to sit there and defend them. Like, exactly like you say, Sabi. So it's just, it's a, it's a joke. It's a real joke that I don't find funny anymore. <laughs> but, uh. You, you brought yeah, up, and I don't per- even want to call them progressive like policies anymore because those policies, you know, those issues that were on the platform, like these are class issues. Medicare for all is a class issue. Wealthy people don't need Medicare for all. When you talk about canceling student loan debt again, that's a class issue. When you talk about paid family leave and paid sick leave, those are cash. Those are class issues, working class issues, and, and issues for poor people. And wealthy people do not really need those policies to pass. And this is how this is how it really should have been presented. These are issues for the working class. These are issues for for people who are poor. We have to look out for these these groups. And the problem is you have people in there who 
They said they were working class, but I looked at their background and they were not working class. And it's not just AOC. So this is a grift. This is a fucking grift. And I'm sorry. Like, I'll say it again. If you donated to Justice Democrats, you need to contact them and demand a fucking refund. This is absolutely embarrassing. Bernie Sanders, too. Bernie Sanders owes me a lot of fucking money. And and excuse my language, but I gave money to Bernie Sanders when I really did not have the money at the time to give to him because I believed that he was really going to go and fight for us. And he caved. I watched him cave twice in a fucking row. So his whole job is just to energize the young people to get you to come out. And then at the end, when he loses, because they're not going to let him win, the DNC is not going to let him win. When he loses, he's going to tell you to vote for the corporate Democrat who he told yep. you to stand up against. Sabby, I worked those, you know, I, I worked those damn 90 hour, 100 hour work weeks getting these people elected. I wrote that messaging because some of these people didn't know how to talk to poor people. You know why? Because they ain't lived it. They've not been poor. They don't understand, you know? Um, and I just had some hope that some of the, for some of the good ones, you know what I mean? But I knew some of the ones that were there weren't great. And I distanced myself from those candidates. But I, I feel like we've all learned a lesson. But I also think that part of the reason that they are still up there and they do what they do. We talked about the money and we talked about the influence and you're right about that. But there's a third piece and it's arrogance. Mm. It's just sheer on narcissism. I have watched candidates go from being normal candidates to being narcissistic, like good people. I'm not going to name any names, but I watched good people change, you know, um, and I, I will say that on the left, we've, and on the right, I mean, just across, across the country, we've got this problem, but arrogance is a part of our problem. I'll go on call-ins and I'll go places and I'm trying to watch it for myself. We're not listening. We don't listen. I hear so many leftists saying, we need to go teach this lesson. We need to go teach that lesson. And they're basing it all on the little pr- picture that they see on Twitter and thinking the whole world is like their Twitter. Either everyone's Republican or everyone's Democrat or everyone's, you know, blue and yellow flag waving people. But that's just not, the, I've talked to tens of thousands of voters and that's just not what the world is like out there. You know, so leftist people on the right listen. They respond and then they hype it up and make it extreme. And that's why they win on the left. We're often talking down to people and these arrogant jerks that are up there right now are doing just that. They're talking down to us. They're ignoring us and they're just, uh, they're doing that right now. And that's what, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm wrapping it up here. I lost my train of thought. My daughter's like, how do I put the food away? How does this work? Um, they, um, It's the arrogance. If we drop the arrogance and we start listening, um, we might actually be able to make change. No. Um, well, sorry, I'll get, I'll get off the line here so you, you can get to the other callers, but that's why I'm glad I had you guys here to discuss this because I needed that perspective. I really don't like 
the term progressive and Sabi, you convinced me to just drop it all together from politics. It's like, you're right. It's not about being progressive. It's about, like you said, it's about class issues. It's, there's a huge difference. And um, I'll just leave with uh, one last note. Um, you mentioned the justice Democrats, Savvy, and I honestly don't think they give a flying fuck about what AOC and the squad are doing. I mean, um, I'm still going to call them and harass them about this. Like you said, like, you know, they should know that people care, but I don't think they care in the long run. And I'll just leave that at that. You guys have a good night. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Bad Cookies. Yeah, it's true. They probably don't, you know, like really care, but I think they need to hear. I think they need to hear from the people. Like, this is just honestly like like if it were up to me i would just call for an end to justice democrats period get rid of the organization and you can take our revolution along with that too they've also shifted oh we're not we're not our revolution anymore we're pragmatic progressive the fuck is that like it's just it's it's absolutely i've just watched so many this is exactly why even till this day I haven't joined DSA. I've heard some horror stories. I have friends who have been a part of DSA. I haven't even Socialist Alternative, which I think has the right idea. I still haven't joined Socialist Alternative because I've watched a lot of groups get co-opted. Let me go ahead and bring in uh, Pierre. And uh, Case, I want to get your take on this too. Feel free to chime in. Either Case or Pierre. Either Case or Pierre. Okay, Pierre. Oh, I think you have to unmute. Pierre? You might be trying to unmute. I told you this app is like finicky. Roger, I'm just going to bring you in as a speaker because I know. Pierre, I might have to make you a speaker. Um, This app sometimes... When people try to unmute, it doesn't allow them to unmute. And I don't know how to fix that. You know what's weird about call-in is like, it'll show like certain people's faces and then it'll say, it says 60 others. And I don't know who those other people are. It's just weird. Um, Roger, do you want to jump in? I think um, Pierre might be trying to unmute, but feel free to jump in here. You have to unmute too. Oh, yeah. Um... So, there's something I wanted to mention. First, first things first, Savvy. I suggest, I also admit, I need to take my own advice and apply to my mother, seeing that she is 90. But have your dad teach you how to play chess, since you told us he knows how to play. Use it to spend quality time with him. Because one day, I look forward to playing you online. So that's one. <laughs> uh, two. Uh, so check this out. I was watching um, Professor Wilson's economic update this past uh, Monday. He was interviewing someone from Means TV. I found mm-hmm. it's a co-op version of Netflix. Yeah, we've, we've spoken to them. Those of us at RBN have met with them before. Oh, yeah. So you mm-hmm. are you guys gonna go on there? Like, like are you gonna, you know, like, because I I've seen like I I subs I when I saw that I subscribed to them, 
And then I saw, you know, Humanist Report on there and Professor Wolf's economic update. Yeah, I think Nick Nick is the one handling that. So he's probably trying to figure something out. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, because we have to start um, dealing with types of businesses or whatever the case is that reflects our values. You see what I'm saying? And this mm-hmm. whole, we could establish our own supply chains dealing with mutual aid and co-ops and ballot initiatives and public banks, all that different type of stuff. I think, hey. Yeah, for people, I do want to tell people, um, for people who are not aware, Means TV is a a worker co-op. That's why, um, I don't know what happened there. Let me (laughs) invite Zineb to speak. Um, Means TV is a co-op and so a worker's co-op. And so, yeah, like in reference to having the same values, that's what Roger is referring to. But go ahead, Roger. Yeah, yeah. So, Sal, I Sal, I am a Generation X also, so you're not alone. Uh, also, that, w- that, was, that was me that educated you on ballot initiatives, not Case. No offense, Case. We love you. <laughs> and forced the people to do a state-by-state strategy. Yeah, I'll correct them, too, on that anyway. As <laughs> you did. Okay, so, Z... Zineb, Obama's DNC speech, that was 2004, John Kerry. Also, I love... I was uh, trying to remember if it was the presidential election or if it was uh, during the... uh... Well, that that DNC speech, that was with um, in 2004 after John Kerry had got the... um, Nomin- well, he was getting a nomination at the DNC or whatever the case was. I mean, he might have said it again in 2006, but I, I remember that speech. From, you know, what's so funny is, you know, back in my MSNBC days when, you know, like they at least was worth something. I remember Chris Matthews had said, that's our next president. So, like, you you weren't the only one that, that you know, that said that or whatever. Um, yeah, I think he said he felt I think he said he felt the thrill on his leg or something like that when he heard Obama speak, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of jokes in that one. Um also I love Delphia's story. You know why I love it, Sabby? When she talked about the tiger and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Because it's I think she got it from um a real story that happened in Harlem in 2003. A brother had a 425-pound tiger in his apartment with a three-foot-long alligator. <laughs> what? And, yep. People, when when I get a chance and put the phone down, I'm gonna I'm going to put it. I'm gonna put the article in the in the chat, or you guys could look it up, Google it yourself. And yes, it was a brother. It was like, get the, the hell some guy Tyson? named. The fuck? Say it again. <laughs> I, 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 uh, you kind of broke up, but yeah, he he. This guy's name was I forgot his name, Andrew Coates or Yates. I, I forgot what his name was. But what happened was this: is how we found out. It, it was so funny because Delthea reminded me of that because she was talking about a tiger cub. The brother bought a kitten home to to add to his exotic collection or whatever. 
And the tiger must have thought, oh, you're trying to replace me? So he lunged, the tiger lunged to, for the cat. He got in the way and got all scratched up and bit and bitten. He went to the hospital and he said, oh, no, this is my Rottweiler that did this. And they were like, that, that, that ain't no Rottweiler, bro. So they called the police. <laughs> the police came. They had to, they had to dart the, the tiger up to knock it out. You see the police NYPD hanging from the helicopter outside of the of uh, the, the apartment, and you see this big tiger head in the window with its with its paw going rah rah rah, you know, trying to <laughs> swat at it or whatever. It took like six police officers to put that thing after they knocked it out into a van. It's funny how they had no problem not killing the tiger, but if it's one of us, we would have been dead. But that's another story, and they put the um. And, you know, the guy got out and he was like crying, like, yo, give me my pets back. But, um, yeah, yeah, he, he had a, I think he might have had a boa constrictor in there also, but I'm not sure. But I know he had a three foot long alligator and a, and a <laughs> tiger, a 425 pound tiger, because it was fat because he didn't get no exercise. So he must have bought it in as a cub or whatever the case is. And he was just, people were saying, I was wondering why it was always smelling like urine and feces from that apartment, but n no one really questioned it or whatever the case was. So, Wait, is this for real? Yes, yes. I'm, my, my, I'm going to put it in the chat when I, when I get a chance. Um, but no, it's, it's real. It's real. The, the tiger died. You know, they took the tiger to some sanctuary. The tiger died in like 2019. They didn't say nothing about the alligator. The alligator, you know, those reptiles, they're cold blooded. So they have extremely long lives. You know, tortoises live past 100 years old. But no, it's real. It, it was real. It was in the news and everything. If, if anybody who's from New York, who was in New York in 2003, especially if you lived in New York City, especially if you lived in Harlem, I guarantee you, you remember that. It was like, who is this crazy motherfucker who, who have freaking exotic and he got children running around in the hallway and whatnot. This guy got, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, Case, I missed your appearance on RBN Saturday because uh, I have a special time that I wake up. So I went back and listened as you spoke about the mutual aid party. Um, I definitely want to like know more about that and see like if if the document is available and so on and so forth. But Don't ever miss the case. Case brings a full PowerPoint presentation. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. He did no for real. Like Case brought a full PowerPoint. Like he yeah. No, I saw it when 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 I rewind when I rewound it. I was just like, oh, okay. This is this is nice. Yeah, I gave oh, you a shout out too, Roger. I was like, I got to talk to Roger about the systemic change side of things because I'm sure you got more to add on on that slide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like so ballot initiatives and other things. Yeah, when, now you see when you said that, when you got to that part, my rabbit ears went up, my antennas went up. Mm. I was just like, what? What I hear? Ballot initiatives? What? What? So <laughs> I was like, okay. But what was funny was. As I was, as I'm listening and I'm hearing you speak That's about filling out tickets and stuff, I was like, "Tickets? You think this guy works in IT or something?" And then you said, "I work in." What IT. gave it away? I said, "Oh, I worked in." That's hilarious. Different job. Like honestly, the first time that I met Case, I was like, "He probably work in IT." <laughs> 
<laughs> because I was friends with the IT dudes. Like when I worked at um when I worked at BU and when I worked at MIT, I gotta tell you guys, by the way, um, if you are mean to IT, please stop being mean to them. Because I noticed like every job I had, like people were mean to IT. And I'm like, why are you mean to them? <laughs> like, do you know what would happen if you didn't have IT? So when we had like a worker shortage uh earlier this year, that was back in, was that before I quit? It was right before I quit. December. In December, we only had one IT guy left in our building and people lost their shit. And they were like, oh my God, like, why is there only one T person? I put in a ticket three days ago and they haven't come down here. And I was like, well, the whole like IT department quit because they, they got jobs, IT jobs where they could work remotely because of the pandemic where they could work remotely forever. So they all quit except for one dude. So that one guy who I was cool with, I said, Ali, I could just contact, I could just call Ali and say, Ali, hey, I can't log into the system. He was like, okay, I'll come down there real quick. But for the people who were mean to Ali, they had to wait until he checked their ticket. So <laughs> always be, always be nice to IT. Yeah, hey, preach. Chase, I got to ask you, what, what do you do? Yeah, I do, basically, I do help desk for a big um, company. I hated help desk. I hated talking to people. I, I I'm the opposite. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I think that's what makes me uh, so good at my job because I genuinely would be very patient. I, I see it as people who give me a job. Like if they knew IT, I wouldn't have a job. So it's like, of course you don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. Thing, you know? So that's my I like, with it. I like the part. I like working. When I worked in it, I like working behind the scenes. That's why when I hear um savvy going saying things like uh tight vnc or real vnc i was just like oh i worked with that <laughs> i used that you know but gotcha. i used to i used to do all that stuff i, I talked to people like when i talked to customer you know like driving for uber when i talk to customers they always when they try to find out what my background is because you know i talked to them about politics or i talked about certain things they always ask me, did you go to school for poli -sci political science? Did you go to school? Did you study constitutional law? I was just like, you will never guess what I went to school for. And I tell them IT. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, I tell people, listen, save your money. Unless you want to become a lawyer, save your money. You're wasting your money if you decide you're going to go to college for political science. I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know. And I hated politics. You know where Roger, the opposite happens. I know a guy that is a poli sci uh, major, and when I talk to him, I'm like, "Oh, you're poli sci, okay." Da da da, and I go into all like the details stuff that we always, uh, us political junkies on this call that we know about. He had no clue what I was talking. I'm like, you don't know like this network or like TYT. Like at least you would know the bigger networks or calculus they are and uh, like ballot initiatives and all these different things. And he had no clue. Yeah, you know, and and you know, like I, I tell, I tell, you know, exactly. I tell people, I'm like, please don't go to school and waste your money on learning poli sci, okay? Every or, or constitutional law, unless you're going to go to school to be a lawyer. I said everything that I learned outside of the IT stuff was self-taught. Was just being curious and just researching and investigating. 
and and that's it. You you don't have to go to school for none of that. Every I didn't like I used to hate I, I hate politicking, but I like politics, but my heart is with activism. And I was just like this is um you know like every I you know what got me interested in politics is when Obama he won. It was either his inauguration speech or his election night speech where he said uh hey everybody it, i want you to know you got to hold me accountable because it's not just me it's it's everybody you know and i thought i was like oh i never thought of it like that because the way i approach politics is every four years i vote i turn my back and i trust they're gonna do whatever and then four years later i come first of all i didn't even know you know, like I just got put on to what midterm elections were in 2006. So that was another thing. But I always approached it as, all right, yeah, I was doing the least amount of shit. I would go vote and then just turn my head and not pay attention and then come back around election time and go, okay, let me check off the box. What did he get done? And it's, I didn't know how to research or whatever the case is. I went through the whole spiel with, 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 I think the same journey that I had was, everybody else's journey. You know what I mean? Started with MSNBC, just like Sabby said, she was Obama stand. So was I, you know what I mean? I was watching. Then I see some guy named Jank Yuga get on MSNBC and, you know, it's just like, who's this guy with this funny name? And then I was watching him and um, I'm like, wow, this guy's kind of fire. Like, oh shit. And he kept talking about something called the Young Turks TYT. I was just like, isn't that a, 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 a Rod Stewart song or something? What is he talking about? And then, um, and then you know, I followed him over there. I was like, oh, these guys are kind of fire. And, and it's the progression. And I got introduced to Jimmy Dorf because he started making fun. He did a skit making fun of Chris Matthews about his stance on how he said that, oh, he was against the Iraq war when he really wasn't in real time. And, you know, I just made this whole progression pretty much and just whatever, 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 whatever. You see what I'm saying? Um, but I'm just saying, you know, don't don't go to school for uh, poli sci to learn constitutional law unless you're going to be a lawyer. But I right. did. I want to, um, you know, oh, real quick, ahead, Roger, sorry. I just want to make sure Dorian gets a chance. Oh, Dorian, um, you're on the call. You just have to hit unmute. I hope we didn't lose Dorian. I could try to make him a speaker. Dorian might have fell asleep. Dorian might have been like, look. All right, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> oh, excellent. I know I was listening to the conversation. It's actually really good. <laughs> What's your take wow. on all of this, Dorian? Wow. It, it just, you know, you just feel like the deception all around. And, you know, we... We talk about like the AOCs. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that's right. And the letter. I was like, it just seems like a farce. And and it really and then this is why I actually called in because I decided to like look up something. I was like, why don't I look up what the average wage is, right? To just to do some raw calculations. And one of the things I found was like, so they talk about <laughs> the average wage and I went to the social security website and they call it the average wage index so the 2021 number that they have for the average wage index is $58,129 let me ask you a question do you believe that no I don't 
Right. When they talk about averages, this is something we talked about this recently, uh, United Front Against Displacement. They came on and they were we were talking about um, affordable housing, right? And what the city defines as affordable housing. So they use this term called uh, the area median income. But what that actually means is it's not the people who live in Boston. It's an entire area that also includes parts of New Hampshire. So what happens is exactly. if you people living in New Hampshire that work in Boston, they may have a job in Boston where they're making like $80,000 or $90,000 a year. But because they live in New Hampshire, right? New Hampshire has a lower cost of living. Housing is cheaper there. They're doing all right. So it's not fair to include people that live in New Hampshire in the Boston area median income, but they're included. And so what that that raises the income. So it makes it seem like all these people in Boston are making something that they're actually not making. And that's what that sounds like to me. Like when you just talked about the average, the average wage, I don't buy it. I really don't. Right. Exactly. So. Here, here's here's some numbers for you. And I thought this was like phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenally bad in, in a, you know, dark humor type of way. Because it's almost, it's really comical how bad it is. So I looked at the number, the raw data, the raw data states that 52.6% of the workforce that works makes less than 37,458,000 a year. That would be the average. That just should be a little bit less than that, but that's what they're making. And I'm like, if I were somewhere were to hand me a report that said this, and I'm like, you're going to tell the American people that this is what the average is, I would fire them. I'm like, this, there's no like, there's no even integrity in these numbers. But here's what they did do, and I thought it was hilarious. They put the the raw average in quotes. They even know it. Mm -hmm. They know. And you know what? Like, I feel like when people are talking about wages in this country, they're not thinking about people that have the service industry jobs. A lot of people have service industry jobs where they're a waitress or they're a bartender. Like, and I'm not talking about just people that are in college or people that are like 18, 19 years old. I'm talking about I can go to any bar or lounge in Boston and a lot of the people that are bartenders, these are like adults. Like I'm talking like people like in their 30s, their 40s. When I worked in retail, most of the people that I worked with were women that were in like their 40s and 50s. And these people are forgotten about and that's what people need to understand. People might see like, a job like fast food, like working at McDonald's. I remember when I was in high school, when I would go to like McDonald's or Burger King, the people that were working there, a lot of times it was teenagers. When I go to McDonald's and Burger King now, I see adults working those jobs. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you a lot of different, a lot of things that if they're willing to inflate numbers to this degree to make it seem like the American public is doing better than what they are, then whose interests do they really have? And I was like, wow, this is appalling. Like these people, let's say social security, right? We, we pay into this, right? Every, every check, 
And this is what they give us and deliver us as a product. And I think it's a real uh, sad state of affairs for really the people that work there. You know, they have an oath to us too. That's right. And I think, you know, I, I wish like mainstream media would discuss this more about who's actually working these uh, minimum wage jobs. Because I think I saw this woman on Fox News. She was ridiculous. She said minimum wage jobs. Those are for high school students. OK, so who's going to work at Bed Bath and Beyond and Target and Walmart when the kids go back to school? Who's going to work during the day? Who's working those jobs during the day when the high school students are in school? Adults are working those jobs. So the fact that she came on Fox News and she tried to make it seem like it's only those jobs are only meant for teenagers. That's not the reality. Teenagers can't work those jobs while they're in school. So someone has to work there and those are adults working those jobs. And those people, I feel like a lot of times they are just not talked about. Next time you guys go to like a Walmart or a Target, Look at who is working at the register. Look at who the greeters are. I can go to Walmart and all the greeters, they're like in their 70s or 80s. Why are people in their 70s and 80s having to work? The woman that works at the gas station around the corner from me, she's like in her 60s. Why is she working? Sabrina, you're absolutely correct. Um, this would be our elite. <laughs> I mean... Clearly, you can see it's a, they've even captured like a report. Like we can't even get a report sent to us that can just give us data, raw. I mean, data that actually just tells us the truth. I mean, they do have to put it there. They reference everything, which you know, thank goodness, at least that's that's honest to some degree. But these are the numbers that these politicians are going based on, and. If we can't have honesty in these numbers, then that's where we're trying to base everything in fact. And if our facts are off, where are we? That's right. That's 100% right. Bureau Go ahead. Of Labor and, oh, sorry. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics has been ringing a bell on this oddly for a long time because, like, the government hasn't changed the protocols of how to measure unemployment, for instance. And so the unemployment numbers drop after six months of being unemployed. They're not accurate. They also don't take into consideration temp jobs that are going to end, right? So they're not measuring for those things. So the Bureau of Labor and Statistics has said two things for the last 25 years. And one of them is that our, um, that our, and it's increasingly growing, our poverty line has barely changed, you know, three or $400 a year, sometimes just a couple hundred dollars a year. I think the poverty um, for a two family household for me as a single mom in order to keep my food stamps, which I'm on right now because I can't find a job, but I can't make more than $1,800 a month. But there's no way in hell that I could live on $1,800 a month. I can't even live off you know, close to $3,000 a month because of just my car payment and my rent and my basic utilities with no frills whatsoever. And hell, we deserve some frills too. I, I've, I have only been on a vacation once in my entire life. We deserve those things too. 
So I'm not, I used to feel guilty for even thinking that, and I don't anymore. I want to have those things too. But their numbers, that's what keeps us from helping us. Um, confusing meat, uh, you know, mode, median, and average messes things up really bad because the wealthy skews it for the rest of us. Um, same well, I think with, the other same part is. Tax, same with taxes, you know, and I think you bring up. I think the other part is, too, is that we have a generation that bought into it, right? And that would be the boomers. Yep. But why did they buy into it? Right? You know, to yeah. them, this this is just like, uh, okay, because they made it. And if you really look at the economics of, like, when they came in, right? If Let's say, I think I was looking at some numbers here. So 1973. I think the average person was making what was it four dollars and three cents when adjusted at twenty twenty two levels that's about twenty six dollars and ninety two cents an hour right and and then you look at from like what was it nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty two the average wage increase was greater than five percent yep. So if you keep and you compound that, and I started looking at the numbers, they had like a whole decade of that. And not really until like the 2000s where you really start seeing the drop of like, we don't even see 5%. That's not even a number. Even when you look at the report, they don't even show those numbers. You have to like click, click the more data. So you can see the extended years. And then that's when you start seeing those numbers. And then I was like, well, let me see data that's further back. And you see, wow, 5% was like normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas like you start seeing what the norm was and what we've come to accept. Right. And, uh, and I, I just think like we just need more integrity and in reporting and the other thing is, too, that people need to, like, I realize this, is that I was not looking at things in the way that I would tackle, like, an assignment and a job or anything of that sort. It was actually kind of lazy. But when I actually decided to actually look into it myself and read it, and you can really just see it for yourself. Like, the numbers are there. Like, I mean, part of um, what... I think ben, Benjamin Franklin said it was like, you know, a reporter asked, is there, what kind of government is it? It's a republic if you can keep it, right? And the public has to be vigilant and keeping their democracy, which means that they, if you get a report like this, you should demand a better one. That's right. I, I think, you know. So that the means, wages... yeah, we're going to have to yell and scream at these people because they're our servants. Like, why are you why are you delivering us a product like this? You should be delivering us something so much more than this. This is like appalling that we pay so much money. <laughs> we were the richest country in the world. Right. So then we pay the most. And this is what we get. This is right. Another thing I want to add to you, even when you look at some of the professional jobs or what are defined as professional like jobs or careers, even some of those positions are paying below the poverty line. And I'll give two examples. Depending on what state you live in, if you look at the, the salaries for teachers, you have teachers that are living below the poverty line. 
depending on what state you live in, right? I remember when I worked at MIT, there were some, keep in mind, this is MIT. They have one of the largest endowments here in Massachusetts. I remember there were some administrative assistants that were making $10 an hour. In Boston, they were living below the poverty line. These are people that had college degrees living below the poverty line. So even some of the nine to five office jobs or professional jobs or like teaching, these people are still living below the poverty line. Well, you want to hear something? And this is going to sound crazy. I, I really didn't believe this when I heard it. And I was working with this uh, lady and um, she was telling me that she was trying to get into, you know, like production and film and all of those different things that you have to damn near volunteer five years before you get recognition to get paid and everything. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. I believe it. And another thing too, I think that needs to be addressed, which we need to talk about internships. And I mentioned this because I know when I was in college, like I only was able to get like one paid internship, which got canceled. Um, because of the economy, it got canceled. They just couldn't pay people. But I was able to keep, of course, the internships that were non-paid, of course, right? Um, the problem with that is that most people, like I, my family was middle class. I really couldn't afford to do an unpaid internship. But some of these colleges have these degree requirements where you have to have an internship. So again, like, this is more for like kids that are coming from upper upper middle class families and wealthy families. They can do these unpaid internships in New York City. Sabrina, <laughs> yes, I know all about that. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> I so was in a class. Like... Can I tell you something? Just to show you the inequality in the classroom. <laughs> I was in a classroom where, uh, let's say the parking lot, most of them Mercedes, BMWs, uh, high-end vehicles. And in the classroom, they were talking about like where they live. Like these people were talking about having movie theaters. And I was like, what? <laughs> where yeah. am I? This is like the twilight zone. This is another thing too. It just makes it more and more difficult for people who are working class. They're coming from poor or working class families to succeed. So yeah, maybe they did get that scholarship to Harvard. Maybe they did get a scholarship to like MIT. But if your major is requiring you to do an internship and most internships in the United States are unpaid, so maybe you could do it over the summer or something like that, where's your family going to come up with the money for you to be able to afford an apartment in that city to do that internship? So the whole system is designed to benefit those who already have money for people exactly. who don't, you know, they have to continue to struggle. And I want to get case in here too. No, I just I popped on here because I, I, I told you here you was, I was going to joke and say, don't tell me that uh, they also talked about an elevator for their cars. Like when I hear about Mitt Romney having an elevator for his car, it's like, wow, like that's the next level. Like they, they definitely live in a bubble. And not only internships, Sabi and, and Dorian, we could talk about the staff, the internships on uh, Capitol Hill, right? They, they're they the ones that they get paid low wages. Like one thing I got to give credit to AOC, I believe she put up the um how much she would give her staff 
and uh and she i think decreased the amount that like the regular chief of staff would make so she could pay the lower uh staffers but they, they those are the people that can uh if they're rich when they're rich they can afford to go to these places and this these are the places that set the policy like if you were a staffer you could almost slip in like medicare for all in a bill and, and as long as nobody else saw it like you could pass medicare for all if you wanted to uh because they they passed these humongous bills with thousands of pages that you know it is real easy to slip something in there but of course they're wealthy people just like the the uk i don't know if uh we talked about the uk people um new prime minister but he's like I saw one uh, title, I think it was on Newsmax, that said he's more rich, richer, him and his wife, than the royals. He's worth $800 million. Yep. So, of course, they're not going to be looking out for the little people. Yeah. Look, listen, I talked to my um, friend in the UK, and they are really hurting right now. Like, the UK, it's it's a mess. Like, it's an absolute mess right now. And he's really just like, it just keeps getting worse. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and you know what? The only thing that's going to happen is just going to get worse. They don't have an out because they they purchase more. The, if the the they purchase more in the bonds, the the Bank of England devalues the currency. No, everyone's going to lose faith in it. So they're going to have to find an out. And ironically, I bet it's going to be the dollar. <laughs> well, he, that's the funny part. They're, they're talking about raising the taxes, but I'm not sure if. I, I, now that I think about it, I don't know if he meant on everybody or just the rich, but the new UK prime minister is talking about raising taxes, which is good if it's on the rich. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just know my friend told me he doesn't know if they're even going to be able to have heat this winter mm-hmm. because of this conflict. Like this, this conflict mm-hmm. is affecting people globally. Like it's affecting everybody. Like this is all back... It all like relates back to fuel. So imagine if you didn't know if you'd be able to have heat this winter. And that's why these numbers are so important. <laughs> if if you know if if they're basing their numbers that people are making sixty thousand dollars a year, just about, and they actually almost they actually put that number in there, sixty thousand as a as a number, then they're thinking that the American people can afford it, and they don't, their reality is distorted. Mm-hmm. Kind of what uh, Zen Nap was saying, I think. Right. Um, I know one of the other things I was going to say, yeah, it's the whole school thing. And you realize it's a real classes because I wouldn't, I was going to go for, I went to go for my PhD in bio, bioengineering. And then I just saw, I was like, wow, I don't have time. Here I am. I'm watching these PhD candidates and I would talk to them. And, and you know, it was great. But then I was like, well, how are you living? <laughs> and you uh-huh. can see the stress that they're under. And I'm like, you know, I've already had enough stress in my life that I'm tired of being poor and I don't want to be poor for another like five years to only not to, to not get a job. Because as soon as you have that PhD, you intimidate everybody. So then you you just limit yourself out of the market. And it's like, that's why you don't see people doing it. And they're wondering why people don't want to do it. This is why you have to subsidize. I told uh, my students, it's not worth it to get a PhD. Especially if you don't want to stay in academia and you want to go on and work in industry. It's not worth it because 
you're talking about, at least from what I saw at MIT and BU, these PhDs are taking five to seven years to get, and they're not given a stipend that is above the poverty line. They're giving them a stipend of like $34,000 a year. By the way, that's nothing here in Boston. So you're living like that five to seven years. And a lot of them have families, like some of them, you know, they have a spouse or they have, they have a kid. And so they want them to live off of that. Then they complete their PhD and then they're given what's called a postdoc, which means postdoctorate for those who are not aware. And then the postdoc wage is like $49,000 a year. Again, in Boston, it's not worth it. So I told them, I said, don't get a PhD. Also, by the way, if you want to be a professor, I predict within the next 10 to 15 years, tenure is on its way out. And if you can't get the tenure, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm telling you, I see the pay discrepancies. So if you can't- Do you know what I think is going to happen with education? I think education, as we know, is done. You know, courses like Udemy and online courses, YouTube, mm-hmm. all you need to do is literally have those classes, make sure they're up to date. And what's the difference in the information? Nothing. I've, I've taken some of those classes. Udemy is based. Also, there's Coursera, where you can take free courses from MIT and, and Harvard. You um, literally can also... do anything that you want if you put your mind to it. And that's what these courses are proving. Mm-hmm. And that's why like, awesome. you're, you're hearing like these companies are like, you know, maybe the degree is not so much everything. Let's just give people a chance to see what they can do. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like, I, and I was thinking about this, Germany, right? Like, they're known for their engineers. Like, German people are proud of their engineers, right? So they support mm-hmm. their, their people in that way. And it's like, we talk about, like, we, we don't want this hiring all this uh, brain dump from, like, you know, all these other places in the world, which we have to pay them. But yet, we won't invest in our own. Like, that just seems insane to me. Absolutely. I to tell people too that are interested in doing software engineering or computer programming, if you don't have the money to afford to attend a four-year university, there are all these other programs now. These online programs like General Assembly, like I have a friend. I'm a software works. engineer by trade. Yeah, so and I have a friend absolutely that, right. Yeah, so I have a friend. Four-year university model is a waste. It, it, it <laughs> literally, if you wanted to learn it start anytime that's that's when you should start like that's just take one of those courses and you will figure it out and you learn all those basics but i had somebody with my student loan debt i'm at my job where i'm at now and i talked to somebody and they're like no i just went to trade school or no i just went to high school and learned it on the side and then they got the same exact job that i'm at Yet I got twenty thousand dollars worth of student loan. But Sabi, you just talk about General Assembly. <laughs> yeah, General Assembly. I got to tell you, I have a friend of mine that worked for them, and um, he's still there. But General Assembly, they have like a ninety nine percent job placement rate. It doesn't take you four years to get that degree. I'm talking about a software engineering degree, not just software engineering, but other like technical. Those of you interested in tech, uh, tech degrees, uh, it's does is not as expensive as your typical even state university it's way cheaper you can do it 100 percent online if you want to you don't have to necessarily appear in person and so this is why i'm telling people and they do financial aid so this is why i'm telling people like 
if you don't want to do traditional college, but you want to get like a technical degree, look into like Launch Academy, Demi, uh, look into uh, General Assembly, look into that avenue because it's way cheaper and you don't have to waste your time with bullshit courses at a traditional college that you have to take just a part of like your core, your core courses. And you'll be done yeah. in less than four years, by the way. Now, I agree with both of you all that I think in the future, now I've been thinking about this as well, that with YouTube, anything that I need to learn, even down to plumbing, like I go on YouTube and I see somebody with the, either if it's the same exact model of the shower head, like I just did with my wife and I, or if it's something close that I can feel comfortable enough to switch out my shower head or switch out a little thing. Now, of course, you still need plumbers and I'm sure it's trade school where you're dealing with hands-on type of stuff. I'm sure you're going to still need that type of school. But when it comes to definitely technology, I used to me myself. I created um the People's Gauntlet website. I, I've been able to um, not only make websites, but make web apps. And matter of fact, in the future, Sabi, I will be DMing you about a web app company that I started that I'm going to work, that I would love to get you involved with that. Similar to like calling, but it's a different um, different uh, avenue. But I'll definitely be DMing you in the future about that. <laughs> That sounds great, Case. I hope this app don't kick people out the room like Colin does sometimes. I don't <laughs> well, it's me by myself making this app. So we might, who knows? We might have some bugs that we got to work I'm out. I'm thinking about kinks. creating an open source app for, yeah. for activism. Well, I'm right? going to also be so, working like, on if the If you can create the steps, app, then, then maybe if someone can solve it in those particular mm -hmm. areas or the research, everyone could take a piece and mm -hmm. be, be able to like help and, and the long, fight. this way it's not on everyone as long as it doesn't get co-opted by the democratic party like open secrets they didn't get co-opted they still have great stuff like i was covering today on on my new show about you know campaign finance but there has been a lot of really great programs that have started out as open source yeah. that have been co-opted by either the republican or the democratic party for organizing um there was one oh, mobilize. It was called mobilize and mobilize when it first started out was awesome. You could go on mobilize and you could do your social shares. You could, you could share your events. You could create all of this stuff. What ended up happening is it ended up being bought out really? by the Democrats. Really? And so now mobilize is no longer open to the public in the same way that it used wow. to be because it's just, it's now Democratic candidates, and now they have paywalls. There's been fundraising apparatuses like NGP Van. NGP Van started out as a um, as a um, field operation, right? And NGP Van started out as a nonprofit. If you research and you look at their origins, they were supposed to be for action and organizing. They were supposed to be for non-traditional candidates, um, for tool sets for them. But there have been all these open source tools I know of about since I started in politics. I know of about six different ones that started out as uh, open source, that started out as just people getting together to try to make tools outside of the system that were then bought out by the establishment. So that's one of the things that we have to watch out for is our systems being co-opted. Hell, I helped develop a couple of them. I can't say because of my NDAs, but I did. And I watched them as they got bought out. Um, and so then those candidates, those non-traditional candidates or action and organizers, um, 
they they co-opted all of them. Um, another great example is, um, let's see, there was a Nation Builder, Action Network. Those were really great platforms for emailing, social shares, um, field work, ground. A reach was another one. All of them started out um, being independently created, but then co-opted by the establishments and absorbed, and then detoothed. Wow, I went to yeah, mobilize web, the website that you just because I'm just throwing these names um, supporting and any candidates up, and being a nonprofit and mobilize. And stuff, it says their paywalls are insane. The um, you have to so pay like seventy thousand dollars to get voter rolls to be able to use an NGP van in some states to be able to contact voters. It's how they keep people from running. Sized and absorbed by the Democratic Party. Wow. Rebecca Parsons was talking on my show tonight. Um, what happened to her? Wow. She told this exact story. What happened to her is when she ran in 2020, she tried to get her um, data from now, the 2018 campaign, and Van refused to release to that Bernie, for her for her second run against early, Kilmer. They did the same thing to Paula Jean Swearingen and Amy Valella. So they they, like, they do why, this, and then right? they keep the data, then they use that data, and they give the data mm -hmm. to the Democratic Party. And there are no other tools because they either buy them out or, you know, people sell out. And just like the organization Savvy was talking about before that started out good and yeah. sold out, yeah. um, the, these tool companies have done the same thing. So if we do want to develop the stuff like mm -hmm. Yep. Anyone, because we've had great mm -hmm. platforms that have been taken. <clears throat> so just, Just for the people in the audience mm -hmm. who might not know exactly what we're talking about with Van, from what I understand, and Zanabi could probably correct me or anybody else that knows, Van is where you would, if you start your campaign, like let's say Case is running for office, which I already told you guys I never would, but um, I have all my volunteers, army of volunteers, let's say a thousand people go out there knocking on doors, they would ask certain questions and you would input it into Van. And so you're doing the work, you and your campaign's doing the work of updating and keeping all the information, like what's your phone number, who did you last vote for, Republican, Democrat, or what, are you a likely voter, did you vote in the midterms, did you, all this information that's valuable, you're using your time and volunteers to update it, and then when it, let's say you lose and you go back to run again the next time, they say, oh, nope, all that work you did, nope, we're not giving you access to that data. Um, right. I, I just want to make sure I bring in Saul. Um, thanks so much for calling, Dorian. And Saul's going to be the last caller. Okay. Let me bring in. Okay, Saul, you are here on the mic. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Whatever happened to workshop class? Like, remember when we used to teach you, like, uh, like some sort of a skill that you can use in the world, like cooking, Fixing cars, you know, working on, you know, what when this, 
when the states cut the budget, they usually, well, at least the states I've lived in, they usually hit education first. And those are the things that are removed. So like the music programs were removed, Woodshop was removed, um, Home Ec. That's what Larry Sharp said when he came on your show. Mm -hmm. Right. Larry also tried to tell me that a free, um, free public education would mean you're not getting the quality education. And I had to let Larry know that the universities in Germany are free and they have the best engineers in the world. So I don't know what Larry was on, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, defending like, No, Yeah. Case, thank you so much, man. And by the way, yeah, it was Roger that told me about the initiatives. I just <laughs> threw your name in there. <laughs> Sorry, man. You both like legends to me right now. So, uh, yeah, like, um, something that like is tangible, like woodshop class or like, you know, baking, your, you know, knowing how to like bank, like they don't teach you economics really in school at all. Like you have to go to a trade school or actually go to a college about, you know, economics or something like that. But like, yeah, like what uh, Case and Roger were saying, you can find uh, and what uh, Dorian was saying. Yeah, everything is online. Everything that you needed to learn. It's too bad that we had to get student loans and get here and still be working our asses off to make a paycheck. Hell Yeah. I wish I had the internet that had everything. When AOL was on, it was like dial up and you got to wait until like, you know, your mom ate dinner and, you know, everybody took a bath and then, you know, you got online. But now you have everything at your fingertips, like uh, from um, Roger Waters, from anything, from um, what's the name of the guy? The guy is so good at uh, Richard Wolf. If I mean, you yeah. gotta find these people, yeah. You got and uh, the other guy, the white guy, I forgot his name with the glasses. Oh, there's a lot of those. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, uh, he, you have everything out there. And the thing is that the the generations that came before Gen X and Generation, I think that Sabi's generation was still able to grasp what everybody was knowing back in the '80s, back in the '70s, because their parents passed it on to them. But now, like, it's like the, 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 the whole landscape is like, you can't say this, you can't say that. So how are people going to find information when everything is restricted, redacted? Yeah, because you can't even now, like, DuckDuckGo, that used to be, like, my other. That used to be my actually, thing, yeah. It was actually Kim Iverson was the one. She told me this over a year ago. She said, use DuckDuckGo because you'll be able to find articles that you can't find on Google. But now yeah, you can't do that Duck anymore. Has has is doing yep. censorship. Yep, you so, can't do that anymore. Yeah, it's hard. Like I really recommend you guys follow that website, uh, World Social. Richard something. I forgot his name. Uh, the white guy with glasses. Richard something. Wolf. No, not Wolf. The other guy. The other guy um, Chomsky. Uh, no, the other one. The younger, not Chomsky. I used to love Chomsky, but no, the other white guy. The one that used to, that does reporting. He's he was he's on RT right now actually. What other uh, white guy Hedges. named Richard? Chris Hedges. Hedges. Chris Hedges. Oh. <laughs> that man, that man, dude, that man educated me on so much. And he actually lived in my country for a little while. He fell in love with my country, Dominican Republic. He's a reporter that you can, you know, you could take that shit to the bank. Whatever he's saying, he already investigated it down and up and down, left and right. So there's a few voices out that you and Richard Medhurst, but he's Middle East kind of guy. He um he does his his part of the country, his part of his awareness. But this guy, Chris Hedges, covers everything. He's on RT, mm-hmm. which I miss so much. RT was like, oh man, I everything know. that 
I miss that so much. He has his own show. Yeah, he has his own show. Yeah, I still follow him. I still follow him. But he had Heartlines, I think it was called Heartlines or some shit like that. On he, had, he had Contact. Um, yeah, con- On Contact, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. on RT. But he, he's on Real News Network for the Chris Hedges Report. But Yes, I he watch- does that. Yes, I follow that. Real News Network, yeah, I do follow that. Yeah, I watch Chris Hedges every week. Like, there's two, look, there's a couple people you guys probably notice that I watch every week. Uh, Economic Update with Richard Wolf, obviously, and awesome. Chris, Hedges, uh, Chris Hedges Report. Because yes. I actually learned from them and, and I follow a lot of substacks and stuff like that. But I always make an effort to read Chris Hedges articles, uh, Matt Taibbi's uh, articles um, and Glenn Greenwald. Like it, there's certain people that I always I will stop and read what they're writing. Right. Because yes. if, you, if you think about it, like Chris Hedges, he's another one where. They'll try to put him on the same list as Roger Waters. Oh, he doesn't he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he doesn't no, give a fuck. No, no, he really don't. He was like, I really tried. Like, I tried to get up. I was like, Chris, would you run for president? I was like, what if we paired you with Cynthia McKinney or with... Um, he was like, nope. <laughs> Cornel West and whatever. Chris was like, Green Party reached out to me a while back. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm here to report the facts. That dude has been into the war combats. I mean, he's not like this, like, you know, Ukrainian people that go out there to report Ukraine. He was actually there, like, when the bombing happens. And uh, about Didi, um, yeah, Abby Martin, I used to love her. Like, I don't know, like, her. sometimes her messaging is like, I, I got a question mark, a little flag here and there. So, yeah, I used to follow Abby Martin and her, her husband now or you know, whatever he is, he was the he was the guy that came out and started saying that America's bullshit. They fucking were killing people in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and, and Libya. He was the one voicing that a uh, 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 decorated art, um, uh, military man. He came out. That's Abby Martin's partner right now. So, yeah, I do respect Abby Martin's husband. Um, work. Yeah, a husband now. Yeah. Yeah. I do respect her work. She is in she has integrity. You know, I, I, I understand that, but mm-hmm. I still have a few red flags here and there because, you know, everything, you know, from perspective kind of thing. So Chris Hedges oh. has that 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 baseline. He's like, I'm going to just show you the facts. And yeah, if you don't believe be- yeah, he doesn't BS you in any mm-hmm. which way. So and Richard Wolf, um, that's that's my Marxist. He introduced me to Marxism. I was like, yo, yeah, this guy. Yeah, this guy's good. Yeah, Richard Wolf, like, I'm telling you, man. And I have to bring back on um Fadil uh Fadil Kaboob. He's another economist um that really just lays it out, right? And Steve Grumbrine, they really just lay it out. Like leaving the political party out of it and just focusing on that and what is possible and what we're told is possible. Right. And that's when you realize like they're being as a ton of uh of stuff on um youtube i uploaded some of them for him so i know he's got like these lectures and these slides and he's got like an abundance of just like facts and graphs and um so look look him up f-a-d-h-e-l-k-a-u-b-o-b on um youtube you're absolutely right sabrina but he's changed my life really 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 Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, he, there are certain people, like, you can tell, I'm like, you can tell they're a professor because, like, when you mm-hmm. when you listen to Fadil, like, that interview I think I did last year, it was over a year ago, when you listen to Fadil Kaboob, like, 
when he explains things and he breaks down economics, he does it like he's teaching a class. Same thing with Richard Wolf. Like they break it down like they're teaching a class. And I think that's important, right? Because some of these terms can be difficult to understand if you haven't taken an econ class. Like I took uh, micro when I was an undergrad and I learned a lot in that class. But my professor, he was funny because like he used to relate everything to popular uh, pop music. So he used to take whatever songs were popular at that time, he would take that to teach us the lesson. And it was funny as hell. Like everybody wanted to take his econ class. But I think that like those people like are important to listen to. Even Jeffrey Sachs, who I think has been censored recently, even Jeffrey Sachs, who's a economist, he was also like, he was on mainstream media. I think Case, I think you clipped one of his, uh, one of his appearances. He was on mainstream media and he said the inflation thing was bullshit. Yeah, and they cut him off. <laughs> yeah, I think he was on Mona Joe, I think. Sabrina. Yeah, just look. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Roger. Um, there was a few things I wanted to address that um, Z and Case said, just going back a little bit. Um, so, oh, yeah. Well, first, yes, Sabrina, uh, the, when you was talking about the teachers and how they get paid, depending on the state, mm-hmm. I think that also really depends more or less on the district, on the school district, because um, out here in, in Long Island, and uh, like I used to, I'm speaking about IT, I used to work for a firm and a lot of our customers were either charter schools in New York City or school districts out here in Long Island. And Central Islip School District was one of them. And they and I talked to some of the teachers. And now you gotta, you gotta understand, Central Islip is considered like a low income type of, you know, hood pretty much as far as where suburban standards are concerned. And a lot of these teachers, when I was talking to them, we're getting paid like, you know, six figure incomes. Um, and the, uh, they were talking about tenure and things of that nature. But I was just like, man, I thought teachers were, were broke. You can pay like six figures. And I think it just had to do with the fact of the property taxes, because that's how we find it. We do a backwards way of financing school districts while by putting a regressive tax on homeowners instead where it should be shifted to the federal government that should take up 90% I should pay 90% of all school districts and let the state pick up, you know, 10%. But um, I think it had more to do with more, more or less the district than the state, you know, because home ownership and all that. Also about what um, uh, Zineb was talking about, um, where she hasn't had a vacation. Yeah, I've, I've never had a vacation also. All right. It's like what I had was staycations where, <laughs> you know, like it's not that I want to. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much because I'm, 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 you guys are not paying me enough to actually go to Disney World. You know what I mean? So I started thinking, why in the world do we not have a vacation bonus? Right. I mean, paid vacation. OK, you're just giving me the same check that I would have gotten if I would have worked that I would have used to pay bills. But I don't have extra money to go to Disney World or go traveling somewhere or whatever the case is. I mean, you give us a Christmas bonus at the end of the year to to purchase presents. If you're lucky. Yeah. You get a so, Christmas bonus, yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, why not push for vacation bonuses? 
you know, to actually go on vacation, you know, but yeah, I've had, I've taken vacation time, but I've never actually taken a vacation. Like, Hey, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wherever. Um, also, um, addressing something that Zineb was talking about before about, um, as far as like, you know, being broken, so on and so forth. I want to bring back the words income inequality and use it to replace the word economy because that yes. that that economy word where they say well the economy is doing great that's not but about see, you <laughs> that well see check this out so i know what you're going to say you're going to say it has to do with wall street which is true mm-hmm. but here's the thing how they measure economy is consumer spending mm-hmm. so they lead you to believe that people have money that's why consumer spending is up but no consumer spending is up because people are using their credit cards why do they have credit cards because they don't have money when you don't got the money you borrow you credit card 100%. is nothing but a plastic piece of borrowing material it's called credit cards are debt there's no yes, that's not that's money exactly it's all yeah, it is exactly. it's all debt you exactly. know another thing. You know another thing, Roger. That happens too when the economy has a downturn. People uh-huh. go to college. People go back uh-huh. to school. That's another thing that happens. So when they talk about, well, college enrollment is actually up. Well, yeah. When the economy has a downturn, people go back to school to try to get a different degree so they can get a better job. Yeah, to get a better a better trade so they can compete in the changing econ- economy. Because right now everything is changing. It's shifting in uh, like per second rate like tomorrow things will be different before it used to be like 10 years ago 10 years you'd be like okay i have time to educate myself on a new trade but now tomorrow your job is gone and you have to find a new trade yeah so since you're of my generation you probably remember okay so you was so you was i guess you was in brooklyn at the time right yes because you said you're from brooklyn or whatever so i was always in Queens, New York, Brooklyn, Bronx, but I, I landed uh, New York in, City. Yeah, New York City. <laughs> let's put it that way. Concrete. Right. The so, real jungle. If you remember, okay, so this kind of like, a, I'm going to bring in what Case was talking about and what this whole school thing is talking about. Mm-hmm. You, If you remember, we had technical schools. Yes. Okay, coming up. Now, here's the thing. You can learn all of this stuff online, but there's one problem. You know the reason. Hands on, hands on. You don't. Cool. You're not. I, I, exactly. I get you. I get where you're going. Because right, so right now, there. Right now, it, I checked. Right now, I was. You know, I have to up my game because I'm with Case and, and Roger Meadows. Uh, so I checked. There's seven thousand six hundred technical schools still right now operating in the you know, uh, in the United States. So yeah, you. We still have. Um, access to those trades and not many people want to go and filthy their hands with like real work they want to do the you know what the aocs of the world want to do get famous on instagram or twitter so it yeah right. the, the, the information is out there so, so but that's so me- because i just want to say really quick that's because if i remember when i was in high school that's because our high school guidance counselors oh, changed never- those jobs they shamed Never. those jobs. They said if, if you wanted to have uh, a successful life and make a good 
you know, standard yes. of living that yeah. you had to go to college and get the professional jobs. They didn't talk to us about being an electrician or being Mechanic. a plumber. We, we need electricians and we need plumbers. Like you, you do need them. Let like, me tell you something right now. Um, plumbers had, make so much money. Like yes. pick how much yes, money they, they, do. they make. We had to have something happen with the, um, something happened with our sink where like it wasn't like water wasn't coming out of the, it just wasn't coming out. I was like, what the hell happened? It was just one sink. Who do we have to call? We had to call a plumber. Can you come in and please check the sink and stuff like that? So like he was able to fix it. But I mean, like those people are needed and those jobs were Invaluable. not promoted. And they exactly, our guidance counselor said those jobs weren't valuable. They were not promoted. Like even construction, construction is another field that pays, particularly where oh, you live. It's pay so good. Well. It's so good. They pay so and well. In Kentucky, it was it's so much different because our counselors and the people here, that is what they value, is like technical mm -hmm. school. And they actually yes. frown on post-secondary education. And they say you should go out and get a certification. But they mm -hmm. say it to certain people. You know, right. there's there's another thing to do with generational wealth, generational poverty and credit scores, right, and credit. You know, when you have parents that can co-sign for you to get a home, they buy your first car, they pay, you know, all of your college or most of your college. I know people like that, and I see the dramatic and drastic difference in their lives from people who don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's so it's so different that it's one thing that I don't hear talked about much, but it's it's a major, major difference. So the ones who's, who had like boomer parents that were well off, um, do a lot better than the ones who, you know, maybe their parents were struggling in the seventies, eighties and nineties, or they had a single parent home or they come from abuse or, you know, um, or they're a person of color who couldn't get loans and couldn't get things done. You know, and so um, that is something that I don't hear talked about as much as the generational wealth. And then I see that disparity in the way that we're talked to about what kind of jobs we should be happy with. You know, like in Appalachia, if you want to be a doctor, that's a joke. Why do you want to do that? Why don't you just go to why don't you just go to a trade school? Why do you mm -hmm. want to go get a four year degree? Right. right. So I think that sometimes that has to do with like region and, and where you are too sometimes, or, you know, I, I see, I see a difference there sometimes. No, you, I, okay. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, where I live, a lot of those trade schools have closed a right. lot of even the um, vocational schools, a lot of those schools have closed. So it's like, that's, that's a big part of the problem. Yeah, the like the East Coast, like especially those of us on the East Coast, like when I say the East Coast, like they have this coastal elite, that that's a big part of the problem. Like it moved from like my my grandparents moving north so that they can get like good paying jobs at factories that that doesn't exist. Like a lot of those yeah. factories closed, a lot of the trade schools closed. And so now like on the East Coast, it's like here, does if any, you want to make a living, any, like you have to go to college. Do you remember Jordash Jeans and Sergio? Oh. Wow. You know, you know who, you know who worked in that factory? My mom. My wow. mom worked for Jordash and, 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 um, and uh, what's it called? The other one. And um, 
What's the one with no, no, she she was a seamstress, so she worked for a Japanese company, by the way, which is funny, in right in the center of um, Queens. They were a Japanese country, uh, uh, company that they did like Jordash and uh, and Sergio. And my mom used to make my clothes for school. Like I was like fashionable before it became fashion. She was the one that that dressed me. I, the only reason why I had Adidas because I love Run DMC. I'm from that old school era. So my mom made my two tones. Remember when the two tone pants came along with Lee jeans? Yeah. Well, my mom, my mom made me those by herself with her own hands. She got the pattern. I was like, oh, I already got the pattern. I got you. I was like, mom, I'm a real, I want real Lee jeans. You know how as a kid you want the, the yeah. PlayStation or whatever. So I appreciate that for my mom. She was the one in Jordash and in Sergio company. And then my aunt went to Uniques. Remember Uniques in uh, New York? I think Uniques. It was like, you know, before you remember the, the I just remember wow. Dapper Dan in Harlem. Oh yeah, Dapper Dan. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Dapper Dan. Yes, of course. But he yeah, the like for all the rappers yeah, and stuff. Yes, Dapper Dan, yeah. The swag, man. Yeah, for real. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I know that like uh you mentioned run DMC. My dad used to sport Adidas all the time. I always and sport he, Adidas. He I still it. buy them. He got it because of Run DMC. Like my dad will tell you, he started wearing Adidas after Run DMC came out. For real, so Run Seven. DMC. Oh. I think they were. You know, I don't know if they got paid by Adidas. I think. <laughs> the I think they did. No, they did. They but did. they had a rap. They had a rap. They said, "I don't wear no man's name." Behind. Um, oh. I mean, oh, I I cut out for a second. Hello, there we go. I can hear you. Yeah, no, my my mic is acting up right now. Yeah, they. I I, I got into Adidas. Like I still love Adidas to this day, and I buy the one with the trifold. I don't like the new logo that they have. That shit to me they is changed not. It. Yeah, you were talking that... about Rockbox. Rockbox. Oh, don't <laughs> want nobody's name on my behind. Yeah, on my legs, sneakers on my feet. D my D by my side and J with the B. Exactly. So yeah, they, they were they were like lying, but at the same time, I was like, yo, for real, I'm following that dude. That dude is swag. Like the leather jacket with with the hat, you know, run with the hat and JMJ, rest in peace, my brother. He in that band made me feel that music, rap music. Sabrina, I still I have a question. Like, do people still? Because my dad used to wear Pumas too. Like, I remember he I had like, like Pumas too, Puma. Yeah. Hat and jacket, yeah. but you know what has not gone gone out of style, at least here in Massachusetts, because it's from Massachusetts, is Converse. Converse. I still oh, have Converse. <laughs> I still swear by them. Like I, I love my Converse sneakers, and like here, it's very common. But if I go down south to visit my parents, I don't usually see people wearing Converse. Also, None of us do. That's a white <laughs> person. That's a, that's a person thing. That's Chuck Taylor's man. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, the ch- white person that I know. No, not trying to like be, you know, crazy. I'm just saying like most of the people that I know that like Converse are usually white. Rarely do I see a young sister wear sporting Converse. Well, come to Boston. You'll see see a lot of people wearing Converse. Like when I went to New Jersey. I can't wear them. They're They're too narrow. Like they hurt my feet. We were in Jersey recently and like all these different people came up to me. We stopped at like a rest stop. And different people walk by and like, oh my God, I love your shoes. I'm like, they're just Converse. Like to me, like up here in Massachusetts. No, they are, they're iconic. They're iconic. They're very iconic. I mean, when you see that, you don't even have to look at what, what what's going on there. You already know that's Converse. 
they have like Adidas. They already had the three stripes. They have the star. It's it's really good marketing because it's stuck on people's heads. Um, so oh yeah, Sabrina. Hello. <laughs> oh, you can't. Um, if you take a look at the early, um, album covers of uh, like paid in, you know, like Eric B and Rakim and. Production. Oh, I love Eric B. And mm-hmm. Everything they yes. were wearing was made by Dapper Dan. Just to let you know. <gasps> yeah. So when that oh, blew my mind so right now. See, <laughs> yeah, when, for real. I didn't know that. The paid in full album cover and the um and the follow the leader album cover that was made by Dapper Dan. If you remember the the BDP, the Boogie Down Production KRS One jackets. BDP. That was, that was yes. Dapper Dan. I mean, everybody went. I mean, I didn't go there. I'm in. I'm in Nassau County, but all the all the drug dealers went there. All the rappers went there. Everybody went to Dapper Dan's. To to you know. My friend met um, Rakim here in Boston. Oh, okay. He met. He was just walking down the street. Rakim was just walking down mm-hmm. the street, and what was crazy is my friend was like most people because he he loves old school hip hop, but he was like most people did not recognize him. He took a picture with him and everything. Yeah, I met KRS one a couple of times. He came and spoke at Hofstra University years ago, and then he came and spoke at Nassau Community College. Um, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, he used to do these college tours and stuff. I I spoke with him a couple of times and stuff. Um, but oh yeah, let me let me just say this. There was something I wanted to. Wait, what? You spoke with who? What? Wait, what? KRS one. Back up, Roger. Roger said that so casually. Yeah, I spoke with him a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best about case. I mean, by it, it was um, okay. So let me, let me just say this. I always make. I up. have some friends where back in the early nineties, they was trying to form their own uh, rap group, right? And um, now this part I had missed. Karis one, but Ooh, Houdini? Houdini? No, no, no. I said <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. I'm just okay, fucking yeah, with yeah. you. I was like a Houdini. So, <laughs> is, that the, is that the freaks come yes, out at yes, night? Yes, the freaks. Yeah, come the freaks out come out at night. Yep. So they they hit um we always knew Public Enemy because they were from the next town over. So we so I I met Chuck D a a few times. Like he doesn't know my name, but if he sees my face, he's like, hey, what's up? Whatever the case is. He came to my job a couple of times when I used to work at this barbecue restaurant in, in Freeport or whatever, right? But um I know my friends who were there that spoke with him or whatever, but I, I actually spoke with him. I don't know. Somewhere in the last 20 years or something like that, he spoke, had a college speaking at Nassau community college. It was like a small group or whatever the case is. And, um, you know, then afterwards I just talked to him. I forgot what I talked to him about or whatever the case is, but he's, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say this when you meet him, it's like, it's like he already knew you, and he didn't see you. Oh God! I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you. He's wow. from not from this world, dude. That dude is his intellect is yeah. so deep. So he's very different. You guys, those of you listening, if you haven't watched a music video called um, the song is called Self Destruction, yes. you should go yes. watch it mm. because it it's very much uh, political. And I, you I know wish what that inspired song that? Gotten more. Do you, do you know what inspired that? That's all. No. Okay. Right over here by Nassau Community Club. Nassau Community. And um, and, why did I hear myself echoing? Hold up. 
How do I sound now? You're good now. You're, you're good. Okay. You're good. You're good. Right over here by Nassau Community College, where he spoke, and Hashi University, uh, and, and uh, there's a thing called Nassau Coliseum, and it's, it holds events. Okay. Back in like 88, they had a rap concert there. All the rappers of that time showed up. And the headliner was Eric B. and Rakim with Follow the Leader. Okay. It was, mm. so it was, you know, BDP, Jungle Brothers, um, you know, a whole, whole bunch of people or whatever the case is, right? And what happened was someone yep. got stabbed up there. So it put a black mm. eye on hip hop. Okay. And then right. a few months later, they made yep. self-destruction as a as an answer to the media you know what I mean? Same. You're talking about self-destruction. Right. So You're talking about they, self-destruction. That, yep. okay, if you take a look at, um, if you Google um, 1988 Nassau Coliseum hip hop concert, gone, gone wild or whatever the case is, where this kid got stabbed up and killed mm-hmm. or whatever, that's, that's pretty much what they was um, responding to. But what I was saying was when I did speak with him, he was very humble and, um, it's like it's like he already knew you and he didn't see you for a while. And he's like, yo, what's up, man? What's going on? You know, like like he knows you already. You know what I mean? Um, Chuck, Chuck D is kind of like that. Also, the only person that I didn't really have that much of a who was kind of standoffish, you know, was was Bismarck. E. You know, every time. I, yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> You're catching the vapors, yo. And, <laughs> Say he's just a friend. And um, case yeah. you, you, study, you remember the, you remember uh, Bismarck? Oh, baby, say you. he's just a friend. So, I used to there was a, there was a yeah. part in Hempstead. Yeah, you take there me was back. a part in Hempstead. <laughs> like I'm at my my fourth address in Hempstead now, but there was a place in Hempstead that I lived at for 15 years, and that was a spot where I know what for a while. Two yeah. houses down from me, my neighbor um was was good friends with Bismarck E. So every once in a while, when you see that um, Humvee out there, you know, you know, he was there, you know, and um, those few times that I did speak with him, it was kind of like, get away from me. You know, he didn't, that was just his, his vibe. You feel what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, every time I see him, I was just like, oh, fuck you. I ain't saying nothing to you. I'd be like, yo, Jeff, what's going on? Cause Jeff was the guy he was friends with. Um, Jeff, actually mm-hmm. Jeff was sitting on the bench and, Baby, you got what I need in that video. I, you know, I said, like, oh, there's Jeff. But, you know, I saw him a couple of, I don't know, a few months before he died because I happened to see him at the supermarket. But I saw Jeff, his his boy, my neighbor at the supermarket, and I didn't even acknowledge that Bismarck was there. I was just talking to my neighbors. Hey, oh, what's going on? Because I had moved from that time or whatever. But I was like, oh, yeah, busy. Hey, I didn't see you there. Hey, how you doing, too? You know, so. But, um. What I was going to say was before was um, we should. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Addressing what Case was talking about before about the schools. My experience with the uh, thing with with, the reason why I got out of IT was because what happened was. uh, Pretty much. They they uh, 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 they asked me for, you know, some bullshit. So I said, okay. I know that's what everybody says. They asked, 
acts. <laughs> it's always, yeah, they was on some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. Right. yeah. No. I was I was dealing with yeah. egos. What I was telling Case before about I really don't like dealing directly with customers, at least when it, especially when it comes to IT, is because of that. I just had a bad experience. It's like they're always using you to 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 you know. It, it, that's a whole different thing. I, I I was always like being part of the team that was in the background that didn't that had limited FaceTime with customers. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? I'm just all the way. The back room. The back yeah, room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like three tiers. I love right, that part. Yeah. But um, yeah. what happened was I said, okay, I'm going to use this time. This was like like around 2010, right? So I'm, I'm going to use this time to go get my, uh, you know, some certification. So I got one Cisco certification. And what I was doing was nice. I was getting unemployment, but I was driving a taxi getting cash. So I was getting like two checks Hustle. and I was only working on the weekend and used the rest of the week to uh, get my certification. So I would study like uh, I would study six hours, five days a week from 10 to four. OK, I got the Cisco certification. Respect. And then when I went to go get Cisco is not easy, by the way, I tried. It's not Cisco easy. is. Cisco easy. is easier than learning to pass Microsoft tests because Cisco is a bit oh. more binary. Microsoft, they make up these weird scenarios that don't exist. But what I was saying was um, <laughs> the Kubirashi Maru so, <laughs> from Star Trek. So, Sorry. So, so what happened was um, that was that time when like, you know, this is when I started really paying attention to politics and like John Boehner had let emergency unemployment run out. And then um, I had to go back to working. I was on a treadmill. I never got back into the industry again. But these things that we're talking about with remote learning, you can only go so far when it's IT. And the reason why I say that is this. Um, there is no financial aid or grants or anything like that when you learn IT online. It's because you can take it whenever you feel like it. So usually the government would mm. give you financial aid when they see that you're going to be in school for X amount of time. But if you they have these things called um, savvy, they have these things called boot camps, right? Where they try to. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. They try yep. to teach you things. You cannot possibly learn these things in 40 hours. It's not 40 hours a week. It's, it's just too 40 fast. Hours. No, it's too fast. Right. And can then, I just can I just sorry. say really quick for those for those uh, for those listening, I do not approve of the boot camps. And I had a friend of mine that went through a boot camp. There's no way you can learn all that coding information in six weeks. I, I do have to say IT, that. Period. I think those are a ripoff. Right. Yeah, that's all that is facts. If if you wanna if you really wanna learn it, it's gonna take exactly. longer than that. So like for for example, with General Assembly to get like the degree, there's you don't do the boot camp. You do like the two and a half year degree. Mm -hmm. Because well, I had a friend that paid for that one of those boot camps before and it was a six week boot camp and she couldn't retain the information because there's no way you guys like you got to learn python mm -hmm. right that yes. alone that by itself is a lot and on top of that oh, sorry. and that doesn't include all the other things you have to learn but those boot camps are a rip off don't do it yeah. guys and, thank you thank you savvy and, that's true and also the um 
those classes. So let's say, for instance, let me just say uh, Cisco, for instance. Let's just say, uh, I know Case is probably, and probably Bad Cookies is probably the only one that's going to know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. Cisco. I think Bad Cookies went to sleep. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Cisco yeah. Certified Network Professional, okay? That takes, you have, last time I checked, it, at the time, you had to pass three tests. So if the if that if the um, the boot camp was going to teach each three of those courses, it would just be each one for forty hours, and for each class, mm. they would charge like four thousand dollars, thirty five hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, that's a, so then that's, that's a ripple. So what, what it is? That's a super ripple. See, it's not catered toward you and me. It's catered toward um, Sabrina, who who owns a, a big business. And wants to and has mm-hmm. the money to send us to that boot camp, and and uh, and, and just got to interject uh, here to make this clear. Sabi's not rich. <laughs> <laughs> I knew she was going to say that. <laughs> Sabrina, Sabrina's a working. Yeah, person. I hear, I hear. Okay, so, so, so this is. <laughs> I stream. No, so, so, so that's so, people will hear that and be like, Sabrina owns a big business, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll all be asking you for jobs. So, um, for real. That's so, what would happen? So, what would happen is, right? They would put you toward this, um, or, or if it wasn't a boot camp, right? Then you say, "Hey, I think I'll learn it online." But the problem is, like I said, there is just like there is no financial aid for boot camp. There is no financial aid to learn it online. On top of that. Uh, try learning it on your own. You got to understand something. You need... Crack you some need, books. But, just, but no, no. <laughs> I wish it was only books. You have to buy the equipment. Have you looked at the JavaScript book? No, 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 no. Again, you see no, no, the no, JavaScript no, no, book? What I'm saying is, see, you're looking at it from a programmer's perspective. I wasn't a programmer. A <laughs> yeah. lot of people think... A lot of people, th- when they think of IT, they only think of the coding. I wasn't, I wasn't that. I was a networker. You feel what I'm saying? I used to, I used to, uh, you were on the finance side. You were on the finance uh, side. No, no, I, I didn't work with, with money. Like, I, no, but I'm saying you were in the, uh, the, um, you weren't in, like you said, you weren't in the code. I don't know what I was in the networking for the I was in networking. That, networking, yeah. right. Yeah. You were talking to people, getting information from other people. Uh, well, yeah, the, we were the nerds. No, I wasn't, I wasn't we talking with anybody. Well, I would just, I would set up servers. I would set up email. I would set up. A, oh, okay. So you did coding. No, that's, uh, that's no, I would set up, I would set up servers and configure them with, with the protocols needed. I wasn't like writing scripts. When I think of coding, I think of people actually on the keyboard, like writing scripts or whatever the case is. I'm talking about mm-hmm. actually configuring the equipment. You know what I'm saying? Configuring, setting up the servers and doing all that different type of stuff. But anyway, what I, what, IT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I was saying is, if you were to practice that on your own, you need to purchase that equipment. You see what I'm saying? There, yes, so th- yes, that's sir. where the skills gap was. If you remember, Obama always talking about the skills. That's the skills gap. I say, yeah, well, there's a skills gap because you guys stop investing. You let technical schools fall by the wayside because that was the only path that you really had because the technical school would at least fulfill the fact that hey you don't got the equipment at home we got the equipment right here you know they would have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment that you can practice on you feel what i'm saying and you know that was that was really much part of the problem and um oh by the way so i see sabby you looked up the the harlem apartment 
alligator tiger guy, so that's good. Yeah, his his name is yeah. is yeah, his, his his name was uh, uh Ming of Harlem. Yes, but his name was like Andrew Ming of Harlem, like Andrew Coat, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, from from like two from the nineteen nineties to when two thousand three October was it's when they crazy. called him up. Yeah, he's crazy <laughs> as hell. I was looking that shit up. I was like, yeah. damn, that, I would have died. I would have died. Sabrina, kid, Sabrina, kid didn't believe me either. I had to show him. So don't feel bad. You, you show Kit yes, Cabello? Yes. You show Kit? Yeah. Oh, my God. Kit would love that No, 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 no. I have to meet Kit from Hardlands in person one day so we can talk about pizza. And I can prove to him oh, that don't, he don't, has don't, the best don't, pizza. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's going to. He's gonna he's both. gonna kill you. He, he and uh, Convo Couch settled that debate. I love my New York pizza. I'm from New York, and they call it a taco in <laughs> Chicago, but I call it pizza. And they have pies. That's not a pizza. Know, That's a I, pie. I've had both. When I went to Chicago, I had the Chicago deep dish pizza, and it was good. But it's still not better than New York pizza. Hell no! You're hungry. You got a dollar. Boom, pizza. Awesome. That is the best thing in the world. And I, I want, oh, sorry. Pop- like I'm not trying to eat a whole pie yeah, exactly. of pizza. I just want a slice of pizza, yeah. dude. I I could feed 13 people from Ethiopia with that one pie <laughs> of Chicago. Like I could really feed them, and they'd be like, "No, I don't need any more. I'm full." They'd be like, "Yo, no, it's I'm true." Because like in Chicago, like when I had their pizza, I could only eat one slice of pizza. Like You're it was lucky. just that one slice, and like me and my friends, there were like four of us. We couldn't finish the whole pizza. That's what I'm saying. I was like, what is this casserole <laughs> dish with the pepperoni and stuff? You know, oh, I just want like it. a slice, man. Yeah, I ain't exactly. asking for no whole pie. I want some cheese, some sauce, and some pepperoni on it. So <laughs> the, let me just address the uh, one of the last things uh, Zineb said. So she was talking about um, some, uh, something about something got co-opted by the Democrat Party, make sure something doesn't get co-opted by the Democrat Party. The right? op- the open source. Right, right. Talking so about again, the open source. this is another reason why we need to abolish political parties. Okay, I, you guys keep giving me uh, ammunition to, to 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 justify why we need to get rid of political parties. And her saying that the the, the thing with the open source, it got make sure it don't get co opted. We could just eliminate this by just getting rid of parties. Now, I have a plan on how to do that. I got a, two plans on how to do that. One, what we can do is those ballot initiative states, the ones that allow you to amend your state constitution through uh, ballot initiatives, oh, yeah. file one that says you me working abolish on that right all political parties <laughs> at every level of government. So imagine there's 17 out of the 23 ballot initiative states, 17 of them allow you to use the ballot initiative to amend your state constitution. So if you were to abolish political parties at every level of government in your state, that means you would have 34 U.S. senators that are unaffiliated with anything. So they're not going to be bound to, oh, I got to go along with my party. You know what I mean? They'll at least have, you know, you'll be. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Roger. Uh, Okay, we abolished. I'm not saying all the problems will be solved. So. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, but who is the person with the money? As soon as we abolish one one snakehead, another one is going to pop up. Because right now, everything is like everything that's going wrong is because we have 
uh, uh, politics connected. They're married, by the way, with uh, corporations uh-huh. right now. So mm-hmm. how are we going to get the corporations out of politics? It's, right now, the way, they, the way things are, the way the beautiful things you're saying to me, and dude, if you're in my neighborhood or and I need, and I'm in your neighborhood, I'll be marching along right next to you. That is 100% fact. But I'm telling you right now, the politics are so intermarried with uh, with uh, with the big corporations that the only thing well, you see right now, the reason why you see what you see right now, is because corporations own politics. And I'm t- nah, yeah, I was going to get to that. You didn't give me a chance, bro. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Usually, we're the one with everything, so I want to be jumping in there with a little bit of knowledge too. I was going to get to all that. So, like I said. The ballot, do, do it through the ballot initiative. <laughs> Another way we do it, if all of us, especially black people, started registering independent in mass and didn't give a fuck. Of- can, I, can, I, can I correct one little okay, thing? Yeah. Not just black people, because as my sister over here from the southern states, because I heard the little sound of southern, they, the, she starts with a Z. And she broke it down too. And she's she's also part of this whole equation that we call change in our politics. Because if we can't leave out, you know, the white portion that want change that are really out there, just like us fighting. Yeah, to just, I wasn't leaving out. You know, pay our bills. I wasn't leaving know? out anybody. The reason why I said especially black people is because we are the most loyal Democrat voters. Oh, a hundred percent. So that's I wasn't. So that's not leaving people out. I that's what I just yeah, wanted to make yeah. that you know because I I love what she right. said and so, and I want more people like that to be on our right, side. Right. We we need a white friend like like Dave Chappelle. We right. need a white friend. We need a white well, friend somewhere. I just want to I just want to jump in and, and say really quickly in reference to um African American support for the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. Mm-hmm. I just want to let everybody know. That eventually it's going to get to the point where they don't need our support to win. Yeah. And if exactly. you pay attention to what's mm-hmm. happening, AOC's recent statement about Democrats not trying to whoa, win the whoa, Latino vote. Sabi, Sabi, did you see that 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 little video that AOC was crackling with her little water bottle? Go out and vote. Go out. Oh, that mm-hmm. made me so furious. But, but, like, but this listen, girl, listen, yeah. listen to my prediction here because mm, I have a prediction. I, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I predict that someone like AOC, and maybe this is what she's there for, someone like AOC, what they're going to do is they're going to mobilize the Latino community in the United States and get them behind the Democratic Party. So eventually it'll get to the point where the Democratic Party won't need the black vote. And this is why I keep telling people, African-Americans, leave the fucking Democratic Party now. But his right now, like you see what I'm saying, because they're not going to do they're not going to help us. They're not going to do anything for us. They're just using us to keep winning until they can get another base to come in and support them to keep winning. I really don't need to see Nancy Pelosi wearing whatever she was wearing to represent African-Americans. That was sickening. Check check this out, though. That's backfiring on, on them, Sabrina, because the Spanish people that are coming here, they are voting Republican. So that's what's that's that's the that's the the, the irony of it. They're not voting. It's sad and true, but by I the way, think, Roger. But I think we need to be careful about like who are we talking right, about? Because it depends on the country. And I say that yeah. because right, but because but listen, 
AOC's Puerto Rican. Right. She don't give a fuck. So there's a different and look at where she where she's her district, right? So, American Cubans don't give a fuck. They they right. voting Republican. Mm-hmm. Right. Voting but maybe that's not the base that maybe that's not the base they're trying to get her to go after. Maybe they're trying to get her to go after people who are Puerto Rican. They maybe vote. people oh. who are Mexican. You I see vote. what I'm saying? I think she fucked that up when she started dancing with the Puerto Ricans were in the audience and she was like laughing along when the people were like, yeah, okay, and the Mexican. I think she lost that, I think, for now. But the thing is, growing up in in New York, um, well, it might be different now, but Puerto Ricans were always the majority of Latina in in, in New York, so they they always voted Democrat. But um, what I was going to say was that the second thing that I was going to say was another way to do it besides the ballot initiative to abolish all parties and so on and so forth. If we, all of us, started registering independent in mass and did not care who won the Democrat primary, because they say, oh, but if you're registered independent, you won't be able to vote in the Democrat primary, right? Your mentality should be, mm-hmm. who cares? Because whoever makes it through we're gonna we're gonna flip them regardless okay so if all of us started registering independent in mass and we got the independent registration past 50 percent, because right now we're in the 40s while the other two parties are in the 20s if we blasted past 50 percent, what would start to happen is we would start to take over the secretary of state's offices we would start to take over redistricting commissions. Oh, but this, let me, but let me, this let me brings, this brings, but okay. I'm just, Roger, can I add something really, uh-huh. really quick? We're already there. We're, we're thank 66% you, thank you. independent registered voters. And one thing that's really, really, really important to note about AOC's district is they are primarily independents. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that we're already there. So I'm making you more hopeful, Roger. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. The, um, she she has the lowest turnout. New York 14 has the lowest turnout in um, Congress, the lowest turnout for any race in Congress. That's why Justice Democrats recruited her to run. I didn't find that till out till mm-hmm. later while I was there, like way later. But they recruited her to run because that's the lowest turnout district in the country. Only 15,000 people vote there. Now, in like Rebecca Parsons district or, you know, several other districts, we had to turn out 120, you know, 80,000, 120, you know, 180,000 people to win. Paula Jean had to turn out a whole damn state. AOC only had to turn out 16,000 people, which is a smaller number than some school board administrators have to turn out. So um, that's why she won. And right now, most of the voters in that district are independent. People didn't. She doesn't have a mandate. People just didn't turn out to vote. No. Yeah, I just want to add, too, I think another thing that needs to happen, people that are registered independents need to vote for independents and third-party candidates. Mm -hmm. They need to stop saying, I'm a registered independent. Oh, but I vote Democrat. Oh, but I vote Republican. I vote Green. I'm independent. I vote Green. If you're a registered independent, and you say, oh, but I vote Democrat. Oh, but I vote Republican. You're not a fucking independent. You're still voting right. for the two-party system. And that's a big part of the problem. So we need to get people who are already registered independents. For example, 
give you an example, Bernie Sanders, he's a registered independent. He still votes Democrat. Right. That's the problem. Right. So if you're still participating in the two-party system, it doesn't matter if you're registered as independent, you are still very much complicit in the very same system that is holding people back. So the independent people who are registered need to vote for independence and they need to vote for Bad third issues. party. And I wanna be very specific when I talk about third party, <laughs> right. I wanna be very clear here because I, I know people who are, they're like, I'm independent, I'm libertarian, but a lot of times the libertarian candidates are on the right. Well, sure. So yeah. you still you still vote for you see what I'm saying? There's no it makes no sense to be a registered independent if you're still gonna support the two party system. See so Yeah, some people are just doing so, that out of so, loyalty, so, like to their party. So what so right. So so what I was gonna say, right, is as as more of us um become independent, eventually uh we're gonna start running our own candidates, especially when we start to take over the uh, what do you call the thing? The the uh, the board of we don't have our secretary of state in New York does not handle um, elections. We have something called the board of elections. Um, so when when independents start to take over board of elections and secretary of states and so on and so forth, and as we grow, like to your point, Sabby. We're eventually going to start running by default independent candidates because then there'll be enough to actually uh, uh, win. So, it but we have, but I, I want to be very clear here because I think there's a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. We have independent candidates that uh, are no, running. no, yeah, yeah. I mean, like okay, more and independent. Sorry, but, but I just yeah, we we do need more of them. But we have independent candidates that are mm -hmm. running, and they've been on my show. Yes. We have third party candidates that are running that have also been mm -hmm. on my show. So if you are in North Carolina, you should be voting for Matthew Ho. Mm -hmm. If you are in Massachusetts, if you are in uh, Terrence district, you should be voting for Terrence, the independent Could candidate. Be. This is very mm -hmm. important. This is why I bring even the local candidates on because somebody out there listening is in their state. If you are in Texas for this gubernatorial race, you should Delilah. be voting for Delilah. You should not be voting for Beto or for mm -hmm. Governor Abbott. Oh, this is yeah. the thing. Both of them are very problematic. Delilah is the better candidate. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. And you see right now, I just saw this the other day, Governor Abbott is now leading Beto by, by uh, double digits. Double digits. This is the problem. See what I'm saying? Like, they're both horrible. Yes. The best candidate, if you look at the policies is the Green Party candidate, which is Delilah. That's the problem. Like you told me, Roger, people aren't voting for candidates based on, on the mm -hmm. policies. Mm -hmm. They're voting for them based on who they are or this identity or this persona that they have. That is the Alphabet problem. Alphabet letter next to the name, familiarity and emotion. That's what right. they vote on. And that's what's happening here in, in, in New York. Because I don't know if anyone happened to look at the... Uh, polls, but I think we're going to end up getting um, something that we haven't had in 20 years, which is a Republican governor. Um, because what happened was, uh, just like I explained to you before about when Cynthia ran primary Cuomo and the work, I, I know you got your issues with you know WFP, but just giving a little history. Um, when the Working Families Party endorsed Cynthia Nixon over Cuomo, Cuomo made them pay for it by raising the threshold 
on how many signatures that third parties can get to appear on the ballot. And when he did that, all of the third parties, except for the ones that he was aiming for, uh, Working Families Party and Conservative Party, ended up getting kicked off the ballot, and we all became registered independents um, just by default. So if you take a look at New York State, New York State has 5.8 registered million Democrats, 2.64 uh, million registered Republicans, but the Indies are 2.74. So there's more of us. I'm not saying we all think the same because we're all independent, but two points, there's, there's more independents than Republicans in this state. So what Lee Zeldin was doing is he's going for the independent vote, and you put 2.74 registered Indies with 2.64 registered Republicans, that almost matches 5.8 million Democrats in the state. And if you take a look at, at the polls, it's like 44 and 44. That's what that whole thing was. When I don't know if you read that. I, I some Somebody from Kathy Hoke, Governor Hochul's campaign had texted me and was asking me to vote for uh, Kathy Hochul. And I was just like, no, fuck you, get out of here, whatever the case is. Um, because I was saying that chick didn't come and sign the New York Health Act, you know what I mean, and so on and so forth. It, it, I, I sent it to you guys if, if if you know if you see it. I, I sent it to Case Zainab, you uh, Sabi, or whatever the case was. I sent it to a whole bunch. Of people. Let me let me let me put this in a lighter lighter sense before we go to sleep tonight. Remember that movie with Eddie Murphy, that distinguished gentleman, dude. That is like exactly how they how they groom. Just by the name, by the name recognition, because remember he had to change his name so it could sound, you know, more, you know, like from back in the day from the colonies people. So the that movie right there, like I was like, wow, that movie was like telling you a story while it was happening because that's how they groom these politicians. It doesn't matter your color anymore because now color is part of this whole genre that they call politics because like it's a genre, it's a it's a theater basically. Go ahead, Savvy. Oh. oh, you're breaking up. Oh, uh, okay. That, can you hear she me? She sounds good. Yes, that's better. What's yeah? When he's oh, you running for president? You went out a couple of times there. Oh, hold on. I think you're good now. I it just happens every once in a while. I think I had to plug in my phone. Can you hear me now? It's like every other one. You're oh. perfect. Perfect. Okay, what's the name of the movie with Chris Rock? You, you, you oh fell, God, dude! You I fell out. But um, you're talking about a Chris Rock um, movie? I don't know, CB four or something? No. CBD, CB four? Yes. No, I think that's what he was trying to do, like yeah. NWA. <laughs> no, that's not. No, the movie with Chris Rock when he ran for president. Oh, with and with, he uh, ran, with 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 Bernie Mac. Oh, head of state. Head of state. Okay. If you go back and watch that movie, everything that Chris Rock's character was talking about when he made mm -hmm. that speech and he said, how many of you work in hospitals that you can't afford to get sick in? Mm -hmm. Remember he was making that speech? Yep. That's exactly where Bernie's campaign came from. Damn. <laughs> wow. Someone from his staff watched the... Uh... 
Chris Rock. What they got yeah, take? somebody somebody's like, yeah, Yo, you gotta watch Rest this movie, Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> it's it's the exact I mean, same message. I'm and telling you, I'm telling you was correct, but it's the exact same message. Considering half of his staff or well, a large portion of his staff ended up creating all these packs and stuff that ended up being total grifters like I was talking about middle seat again, Savvy, and how much money they brought in, you know, $30,000 from Beto's campaigns. They're up to like almost 88, I mean, $30 million from Beto's campaigns. They brought in almost um, $80 million a cycle. $9.4 billion is what was spent on the 2022 cycle. That's what I was Ouch. talking about today. You can, you can so, solve yeah, world hunger. You know how to message. They, they, and I always coach the candidates to be themselves. And, and that was really what I pushed with them. But, but I had these people that would come in in the campaigns from like establishment politics and they would literally try to shape and mold the candidates into what they wanted to the be good the good candidates against, against it, but, it but there were a lot that just caved right into it and became this other person you know whatever <laughs> their consultants were telling that's me to true be. and i was like this is freaking acting this isn't real you know and and you're well and well, Reagan, Reagan was an actor. It, like most of these people that they put in office now, they have some kind of theater skills now. Mm-hmm. And why is it? And, and why is it that no one else is talking about that, Zanem? Because not many people are talking about the money. Like you've talked about it, I've talked about it multiple times. Like where the money's coming from, where the money's going. Why? Everyone's been saying people, this the whole time. But why follow the is money. It, why isn't more people in left independent media talking about where the money is coming from and where the money is going? Correct. You see what I'm saying? It's like they people have to watch keep that as they watch the culture war stuff, Savvy, because we got to get people watching real news again because people would rather watch somebody <laughs> yelling to, about this other pundit or they would. It, it's all about the views and the clicks, you know, and there are a few people like you guys and RBN that does real news. I'm hoping to do, you know, some real news. But unfortunately, that's just not something. And then we've also got like I was talking about how wars are like the wag the dog scenario where, yes, they're oh, extremely yes. Oh, important, yes. but they end up taking away all focus from domestic issues, and that's on purpose. They want us to be focused on all this other stuff going on globally, and we should be, and we should be aware of it, but at the same time, we still have to be aware of what's happening domestically, and they love for us to be completely you know, distracted by it and picking sides. Um, and so you notice during election seasons, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the call, during election seasons, when um, the economy is really bad, what happens? We end up having, you know, we end up stoking these wars. We literally, I mean, if you guys ever watched the movie Wag the Dog, that's literally what it's about. The, the um, economy was doing really bad. All these companies wanted to do like this. They wanted to monopolize and they wanted to pass the Reagan administrations and other administrations eradication of corporate taxation. And they did that by fomenting war overseas so that the American people would be distracted while they basically came in and more, ravaged um, our systems. And we're most, still paying. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, 100% mm-hmm. correct. Oh, okay. Hello? 
No, no, no. I thought I, you can't hear me. Yeah, uh, what she said is 100% on point. It's like depicting art. Like, we're actually living in the Z- cartoons that, we need more, that they um, used to tell us was a movie, domestic, but now we're in that freaking uh, movie. On the mm-hmm. ground reporters, because the only one I see is Jordan Sheridan. And. Oh, okay, my bad. Sorry, sorry. All right, don't be. No, no, no. No, no, stop. Roger, I got cut sorry, you off. Sorry, Roger. No. Stop. I got cut you off. I got cut you off. Who got Roger on this one? No, no. RBN, myself okay, my included, we up. have been on the ground multiple times. Jordan Sheraton is not the only person Jordan. that is on the ground. Okay. And in fact, and when we're covering these stories, by the way, we don't have the equipment that they have. I'm just using my cell phone. When I went to DC, which I spent my own money, when I went to DC and covered the Julian Assange uh, protests and event, I used my cell phone. And Eric was also there as well, and he used his cell phone. I don't have the equipment yeah, yeah. that people like Jordan Sheraton and Ford Fisher and all the other people who were there. Well, Jordan Sheraton wasn't there at that one, but all the other people who were there that have. But I use what I have. But we need to stop that narrative because I've heard that multiple I was times that he's the only too. one on the ground. That is not true. Is RBN has lie. been on the ground multiple times. Thinking... Rome has been on the ground. Well, I'm just Didn't saying. Say what? I'm just saying because. Because Rome, every time Rome does tour for the poor, it's streamed. Rome also was in Jackson, Mississippi, delivering water. And by the way, I didn't see anybody cover that except for us at RBN. So Convo Couch but, also, by the way. Yeah, and, and, and Convo Couch, because Convo Couch covers those elections on the ground. In fact, I had them on right after they covered the elections in Brazil. They've been covering that. They've been on the ground since the get-go. So they this also, whole narrative... They also covered the Bernie the Bernie audit. Whatever exactly, they were doing, but, they but were the, counting all that. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, and I've talked to Jordan about this too, like, Jordan, you're not... Stop telling people that you're the only one doing coverage on the ground. You are not. And he I may not agree with Convo Couch, but since Franco, day one, when I started watching so them years names. ago, they were doing coverage on the ground. Like Franco, well, you know, Franco's out there. I, I Sorry, am, oh, no, I was just saying um, with Bullhorn Bulletin that I'm launching right now, what I'm wanting to do is start a website, but I'm wanting to do training um, for for independent journalists because one of the problems that we have is people not knowing like how to use equipment or like um, how to get things published or how to how to interview you know something as simple as how to interview your sources how to do investigative reporting how to look for the information something as simple as filing FOIA request could get us a ton of information about what's happening in our local governments right but a lot of people don't know how to file FOIA requests that are doing independent journalism so instead of you know I've spent that $70,000 degree but I'm hoping that you know I could have maybe a biannual summit focus specifically on training training independent journalists um on some of these you know critical things and how do you start like a print publication how do you go to print co-ops to get like like print materials done because a lot of print still reaches communities but local newspapers are are dying 
that's a dying breed and and long form investigative journalism is going to the wayside for punditry so i'm hoping that maybe we can build like a conglomerate that'll um help to train journalists and i was going to talk to you guys about if you all wanted you know your chapters maybe to be involved in that but i haven't had a chance to talk to you and nick and uh and um, everyone from RBN about that. But I think that if we can get more people trained and they have the confidence and they know how to do the research and the interviews, we'll get a lot more robust reporting out there. Um, but that's part of the reason we get a lot of conspiracy theory and nonsense is because we have a lot of people out there saying that they're journalists, but they don't have those skills, you know, to like, do the FOIA request to do the research. So they're just kind of making up. It's a whole bunch of assumptions, right? So bringing back real news, I think would be really beneficial. And, uh, but there are, there are a lot, even Franco was on the ground. Um, I yeah, Franco. Franco yeah. Frank's yeah. Analysis, there's, there's, yeah. There's multiple people and not only that, but um, someone just reminded me in the chat as well. I want to remind everybody, you know, Indie News Network, which, they should be getting way more views than they're getting. And I really do believe they're shadow banned on YouTube. But Indie News Network, Slow Colin has been on the ground multiple times because he's right in DC. Yeah, so he's true. covered a lot of these events and protests. They just need more eyes. Yeah. They need more people, you know, to watch their channel. Like that's why I bring them on because uh, yeah, I, I know yeah. they're shadow banned. And I know that because when I searched their channel, they didn't come up. So that's how I can tell. Same thing with people like Tara Reed. You guys, oh, yeah. please support Tara Reed's channel as well, I because I know she's shadow banned as well. Because when I search for her, the only thing that comes up are these videos where she was um, talking about the the um, the accusations that she had against Joe Biden. That's it. To find her channel, it is very difficult to find. And I told Tara Reed about that. But Tara Reed does phenomenal work. And she, she's interviewed a lot of big name people that I know damn well, had that interview been on someone else's channel, she would have gotten way more views. And that's yeah. how I know certain people are shadow banned. Mm -hmm. That is fact. You can see your Twitter likes disappear oh, while yeah. you're liking a tweet. Yep. You yeah. can see it right in your face. Like they take it away. So you like it again. They take it away. Yeah, not only that, like there's been people that have contacted me and told me the, um, that I yeah, unfollowed yeah. them. Yeah, I was I just, never I was just told that it seems That's that, true um, well, I think most of the ones that I've usually yeah. seen were like uh, doing like foreign correspondents like uh, Aaron or Max or. Uh, yeah, no, no, I do. I, I was. I, Aaron Mate yeah, yeah, is no, a good no. guy. But you should what I was that. saying was they that cover I will say over international. For, for you see what I'm saying? So sure. that's, that's what I was... Right. And I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah, that was, everything. I like that. I like that. Well, we need that kind of stuff. Well, Max, Max covers... When Max does on the ground, <clears throat> he covers domestic. Because I've seen... I've had him on multiple times yes, talking Max about Blumenthal, things he's covered. Yes. Yeah, like he's not allowed to go back into Congress, FYI, for people who are not yeah, aware. He, he got, explained he, he that. Got Amendment rights. Yeah, he can't go, he can't walk back in there, but he still like got Rokana 
Right. He got Wakanda when Wakanda was walking, was leaving that building and was walking outside and he got a quick interview with them. That was beautiful. Um, But but just FYI, Max Blumenthal cannot go back inside, but he has covered multiple multiple protests. He covered the Bilderberg event that happened in D.C. So did Franco. And I brought. No, it was it was right here. It It was was right here. here. It was, it was right here. Right, that was right here in DC. And, and Franco and Blumenthal and Franco was on that spot right there. Oh, they and was they, on it. The moment they, they found out about it, they yep. were there and they were on it. And I brought Franco on to talk about that oh, as yeah. well. And so, yeah, a lot of a lot of the independent media people that are in that DC area, they're doing that on the groundwork. But like I said, I believe these channels. I believe Frank Analysis is shadow banned, and I believed um, uh, what you call it. Uh, Tara Reid is shadow banned. Indie News Network is shadow banned. And I I think there's a a lot of things going along with this. And this is why people are not seeing their videos and they're not seeing their coverage. And I I just know, and I, I can tell you the difference. There were multiple people when I went to the Julian Assange event that's live streamed that event. I have the most views. That that live stream I did with Julian Assange has over 8,000 views, which is crazy because Julian Assange is heavily censored in YouTube algorithm. Yep. The only thing I think that helped me Thanks, is that it just happened that he was trending on Twitter that same day because Misty was like, let's do a tweet storm yes. to let everybody know about this event. But the other people who streamed the event, they don't have anywhere near the amount of views. So that's what I'm saying. Is like there's certain people like, don't get me wrong, those of us at RBM, we're suppressed, but there's other people that are suppressed more than we are. Oh, yeah. Because they have louder podiums. Like they, they're shouting louder and they're getting closer. We're just little, I mean, not we, sorry. I, I feel like I'm part of your family, Savvy. Um, but Savvy, RBM, they're fledglings right now. They, they have been in, on the scene and they came on strong. And when Nick went on the hill, oh my God, that that just elevated them to another place that they're going to be banned, shadow banned. So that it's really hard. Did, that really did help. I will tell you, I did notice a boost. Yeah. Like after I went on rising and after we all went on bad faith, I did notice a boost. Yes. But I did just realize like, I didn't, cause I don't really pay attention to the numbers like that. You guys, you guys do. In fact, I CBC voter, CBC voter is always like, Sabby Sabs, such and such subs. Like, I'm not paying attention to it like that, like other people are. But mm-hmm. today, I did notice, like, all of a sudden, I was over 23K. Yeah. And I, I don't know where that came from, but it must no, have been, yeah. like, those appearances. But I, I will say, like, thumbnails are very important, you guys. Oh, I'm going to tell you, the only difference, I think, that could have made that Assange event give me more views than others is I chose a different thumbnail. I chose to put the speakers on the thumbnail with Julian Assange in the background. Whereas I noticed the other channels use the event poster for the thumbnail and I put the speakers on the thumbnail. So that could have been something that, that did it, but, but I don't know. But like I said, I'm telling you. And another thing, Sabi, you're telling the truth and the truth can't be denied. Even, even if you go on whatever platform, that's going to catch on because the people that are watching RBN, they're watching Harland's media, they're watching Franco and Arimate and Black Moon Blumenthal with, with Gray Zone, they're breaking ground. You guys are breaking ground right now. 
Yeah, and, and some people have really helped, you know, like some people, even people I disagree with. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, obviously you guys know, like, I was really upset with Rokana. Oh, yeah. Um, but you, you beat you beat him up good on your on your debate. Oh my God, that was lovely. But even Rokana said we should be like the progressives in Congress should be going on to left independent media. They should not be silent. Like this is not good. Even he said that, and I didn't dis I didn't agree with him on ninety seven percent of the things he said. We were with you on that. But he's he's will. I feel like he's the sacrificial lamb. Maybe no. He's he's wealthy. He's fine. Don't worry well, about I mean, him. He's, he's, he's the one that they sacrificed to go on independent media. <laughs> he didn't sacrifice shit. You know, he's going to write a book. He's going to be a millionaire later. Don't worry about these big politicians. And they they sacrificed their own to get some some credibility to towards the indie media. So don't worry about them. They come in as there's like, oh, another, go ahead, Zanate. There's another aspect to this, and it's that they have people not booking independent media. I was a journalist, and I was an independent journalist, and so... I booked um, AOC on Jimmy Dore. I booked AOC on Mike Figueroa's. You're show. the one. You're the one that fought um, to show us booked, her dancing around. I booked around. I was I was out there seeking out independent media. I had Nico House interview all of our candidates, and Nico only had. Some people said, don't even go on Nico because he had very few viewers at the time. Um, Katie Halper's show was very small. Um, at the time and we went on Katie Halper's show. So I went in the intercept, the intercept at that time Ouch, was nothing like it is today. This was before they had their big investments and everything. So I was reaching out to Buzzfeed, which was smaller. I was reaching oh, no. out to the intercept, which was small at the time. Like Ryan Grimm wasn't that well known. Um, and so we, I was, specifically going out and looking for independent media for these leftists to go on because I believed that that's where they were going to meet the people outside of the mainstream media. Of course, if there's mainstream media opportunities, we, yes. we went on those, but we went on um, several shows on RT, for instance. Um, I booked with, uh, oh, I can't, can't remember his name, the comedian. He's, um, really great. Which yeah, one? the show Redacted, Redacted Tonight. Oh, was uh, Lee Camp. Oh, I love Redacted Tonight. Yeah. RT, yes. Um, so we we specifically, but TYT was independent. So there were some that were kind of, uh, you know, associated with TYT, like Michael Brooks, that I was able to book them on. But that's just because he, he, you know, was a, I, I liked Michael. But anyway, um, but yeah, so that was the strategy was to seek out leftist media. They don't have people right now. They have establishment people. As soon as AOC fired me um, the Damn. day after she won her primary, you know, that's when she started on that mainstream media tour and had the fake pictures of her standing in front of the fence crying. It was an immediate sellout. There was no gap time. It was like won the primary. That's it. I'm establishment now. She went from thrift shop to Gucci real quick. The next day, like, was there a meeting or, or I'm just curious the details on that. Huh? Oh, sorry. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, we couldn't really I hear you. I heard you a little bit, Case. details of what really happened after she got elected. Did she really literally fire you or did was there a meeting? 
I worked with brand new Congress and I was coaching all the candidates on the press and I was arranging press and I was sitting in a back New York city when she run writing her press releases to announce her win to send to all the news organizations. I wasn't even inside the party that was going on. I was there, but I wasn't even inside. I was out back where I could get service in an alleyway in New York, writing these press releases. And then I went to um, ask her about, I was like, okay, let me, cause Corbin Trent was helping her too. But I was like, okay, let me help you. Um, you know, what's going on? What's your all's plan? Literally a hand was put in my face and what? it was, you know, we don't need your help anymore. And oh then that was it. God. Wow. Oh no, not the hands and the they, face. you know, we're taking her out back and I was, well, what are you guys going to do? What's your plan? Damn. But they knew they already had all this mainstream shit booked and, you know, um, Shoycott and Corbin already knew they were going to be on her camp, you know, that they were going to be on her team, that they were going to be her chief of staff and her comms director and all of that. And, I honestly always could give two shits about that. So it's not like I cared about that. What I cared about was her selling out. Mm. You know what I mean? That's what I care yeah. I'm just. I did too. I'm, I'm just gonna add, I said he was going to be my future husband. That Brooks. was like my, my joke. Husband. And I was like, this back is a very day. inappropriate joke, in probably. Day, but I, I just loved Michael Brooks. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> The truth comes out. Sabby after dark. See, Zineb knows what's up. Zineb knows. I did. I do. I did. I used to have a crush, and like when he passed you away, like, was like, you like that. Damn. You like that Amish beard and everything. You know. You know what he reminded me of. Like when I was in college, there were these guys, right? Oh no. So I went to college in the south, <laughs> but there were a lot of guys at my college that were from New York, and. They used to dress like Michael Brooks. Like they were like the Adidas sweatsuits and shit, like my dad. And oh, so like no. it kind of reminded me of that. And like those guys were like mad cool. Like I till this day, like I always thought those guys were awesome, right? He so doesn't even they, he doesn't even he doesn't even come close to looking like the Beastie Boys, even like with even with the tracksuit. Look, you oh, gotta look boy. at who we had in left independent media at the time, okay? Like <laughs> Like there weren't that many lookers. I wasn't attracted to David <laughs> Pacman. So come on, like it just I was definitely not attracted to Sam Cedar. And oh, I remember no. when Michael Brooks passed away, I was like, oh my God. Like that was a shock. Like it just came out of nowhere. And then I remember like majority report continued and I tried to watch it and I was like, now oh, I remember no. why I watched this show. It was not for Sam. It was for Michael Brooks because, like, the things that he had to say. So, yeah, I had a crush on Michael Brooks. Like, he was rocking, like, the Adidas shit. I yeah, don't look, know. I'm looking at his pictures right now. I'm like, mm, some girls might like that. I mean, not the people that and I hang out with. But... He was more radical. That was the thing. He was, like, one of the at that charming. time. And he charming. was the one talking about, you know, like, both parties being corrupt in a real way. He was the one talking about yep. like independence running. That's why I joined Brand New Congress. I, I didn't even want to necessarily, I didn't volunteer for Justice Democrats. I volunteered for Brand New Congress to break the duopoly. But he was I one think, of the few actually talking about that. that yeah, stuff. I think he was a British radical, too. And he was talking about tabletop issues. And so to me, that's why I, that's the only reason I watched uh, the majority report too. I realized it, it was just because Michael Brooks was there, but he yep. was 
he was he's far more radical than Kyle Kalinsky, you know. a hundred percent. I I agree with that. Now my question is, if he was still alive, do you think Force to Vote would have went differently? Because I know he had a good relationship with Brianna Joy Gray. I think yes. he would have been more open. What do you think, Sabby? Yes, I do think it would have gone differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah, Michael, he was definitely Michael, a bridge builder. Michael was further left than Sam. I, I so, know by the way, did you guys know? And I'm bringing Marco like, too. Sorry, Saul, but I'm bringing Marco. That, that did you guys know that Sam Cedar is a voice uh, I, I, actor for Bob's Burgers? Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, he definitely has connections in Hollywood and stuff. Yeah. No, like he he has like Hollywood. Mm. Like he was can he was a voice actor on Bob's Burgers, and I love Bob's Burgers. And then when I saw that, I was like, mm. like, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I need to bring in Marco. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, sweetie. Marco, you're going to be the last caller because it is way past my bedtime. We're talking about crushes and stuff now. Go ahead, Marco. Oh, well, I don't mean to bring it back to serious subjects, but uh, I was listening to you talk with the Bank Sisters on the General Strike Summit. And you were talking with them about how, like, unions are good, but the ultimate goal is cooperatives. But, like, uh, so I just wanted to, like, talk with you because it's like, you know, the original goal of the union movement was cooperatives, the Knights of Labor um, and so forth. So like, uh, I don't know. That's all I want to say. I could talk about crushes all day long. Though. A... <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Like that the, was, the that... bank sisters are like awesome. Like Courtney and Keisha, and I got a chance to meet them in person at Camp Dada. They're so awesome. Um, they, uh, yeah, they came on to talk about, we had an activist summit over the weekend on RBN. And they came on to talk about their unionizing efforts with um, Chateau Marmont, which is in L.A. And there were celebrities that tried to stop the unionizing efforts, one of them being uh, Jay-Z, by the way. Yeah, JB's an ass. Just to let you guys know, Jay-Z is, Jay-Z is a fucking ass. He, he talked down, like me and JB covered this um, a couple weeks ago, how JB was, or Jay-Z, not JB, Jay-Z was... Um, basically saying that like i became rich and then they came up with this word called capitalism Capitalism. motherfucker that word had already existed he's such an ass like him and dj khaled they were on a, a twitter a twitter space and they were basically criticizing working class and poor people who were criticizing capitalism and he's like basically i got mine you gotta fight for yours so fuck that dude but anyway um, they came on to talk about uh, Chateau Marmont and their unionizing efforts. And there was also a girl on uh, named Leah who unionized uh, a Starbucks location. So, yeah, they were on the panel called Unionizing Efforts. And I had to let people know unionizing is good, but the ultimate goal with that should be worker co-ops. And it was actually, Roger, it was you who educated me about that. You and Professor Wolf. Well, well, but you can be in a in a union co-op like like the worker co-op that I'm in is also union. So like we want to like take the profits of our company, give it to the union to start more co-ops. So like That's like co-ops and unions should be working together. That's what the Knights of Labor wanted. 
quick can you break that down a little bit more because I've, I've been hearing that from you and maybe a couple other people how does a union work within a co-op so my union uh, local cwa um, they accept co-op businesses so like a co-op business can work with one union or multiple unions uh, the workers within the co-op might have conflicting goals and the unions can all come together so like if I've got a problem with my capitalist employer, I go to the table, two people are from the company, me, my boss, and then there's another person from the union. So like a worker co-op could also sit down with the union too. I mean, like what if you had a, a childcare company and they hire a carpenter and the carpenter wants some uh, protective gear to take out some asbestos and the worker co-op childcare workers outvote the carpenter on safety gear. The carpenter can go to the union and they can even strike the company and be like, this company refuses to give this worker their protections. Like, like unions and co-ops should go together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so like, I, I don't think that we should go to staffing agencies to get jobs. We should go to the union. It's like, you want to be a carpenter? Go to the carpentry union. They'll organize you into a worker co-op carpentry business. Whatever business, whatever job you want to do, you go to the union and they'll staff you. I would have to see that like play out because like you explaining it to me, it, you know, my imagination is like, I'm, I'm, you know, it's one of those things where I guess it, it would, I would actually have to see it in action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, if you check out the, the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops, they co have a union co-ops council. So it's um yeah. I was supposed to. I missed the uh, the Thursday, the monthly Thursday one last week. Um, I have to call her up. Uh, I don't know if you know Mo Mackling. Well, anyway, she's she's from there. Whatever the case is, but they they have a monthly uh, uh, meeting about the council or something like that. I, I didn't get on there yet, but I, I remember I had missed it uh, last week because there was some um, I wanted to ask her about. She told me about that there are IT cooperatives that she could probably put me in contact with. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm one of them, man. I, I work in one of them. We just joined the USFWC. Yep. We just joined Hold the up. union. Wait a minute. You, you work in an IT cooperative? Yeah, I work in an IT tech co-op, yeah. What do you it's do? a startup business, so I have a day job too. But I mean, yeah, we are an IT worker-owned union tech cooperative. Marco, you need to come on. Are Are you okay with being on camera? Uh yeah, I was on the first General Strike Summit. I tried to get on this one, but it didn't work out. Um, oh yeah, damn that General Strike Summit last year. You know, sometimes I, it gets overshadowed by all the hate that we got from people on Twitter. We got so much well, also hate part of it too was um, uh, uh, a former member got me in on there. What's his name? Oh my God, I can't believe him. Kamali? Yeah, Kamali got me on, on his panel. And I think yeah. probably the time around since he wasn't doing it too, you know. Yeah, Marco, can you do me a favor? Can you please email me? Uh, I'll put my email in the chat. Email me because... I want to bring you on because I did want to bring people on to talk about worker co-ops, people who actually are a part of a worker co-op and not just Richard Wolf. Just saying. <laughs> it's just yeah, not just yeah. Wolf. But case, Marco, 
case, I, I was just thinking about something. The mutual aid political party that you talked about this weekend. Could you explain that to people while we have eyes, more eyes and ears? Because I'm wondering, like, would you be interested in making that a worker co-op as well? Uh, making it a what? A workers co-op? Yeah. Hmm, I, I'm not sure how that would work. I would definitely, like I said, this is a horizontal open source. I'm not the founder. Any ideas is warranted and will be definitely, um, we're, we're doing this together. So I would be interested in what your vision is for that. And like, I'm, this is something that I would not, I'm not making money off of. I don't plan to make money off of at all. This is everyone like what's great about doing the workshop. I mean, the, um, activist, you know, weekend when I asked, oh, my call of action was to ask for lawyers and for a copywriter and a copywriter actually reached out to me so he's working on the flyer which is exactly what i need to take the next step because we're gonna we're gonna get a, a flyer to try to onboard people to the website when we when the website is created and then the first thing we're going to do is canvas i'm going to be asking for everybody hey i'm going to say can i come on savvy show can i come on all the various shows and say the first thing we want to do is bring people on board to the site so that when we we're going to go out there, canvas people, and then when they put a ticket, all the various people, we have a lot of IT people apparently here. Like if <laughs> someone needs help with a computer, you guys could take the ticket and just help them out for free. Of course, it's mutual aid and then go from there. Um, hopefully remotely, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious how we would do things on site. We'll have to figure that out where we can do it safely. Like that's something we're going to have to figure out. But um, I hope I answered your question, but I'm open to it. Definitely, Saps. Well, remember, Case, I'm not that far away. So mm -hmm. it's really easy to hop down to New York, Jersey. Mm -hmm. It's pretty mm -hmm. easy for me. Um, mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, like, I thought it was a good idea. Like, I watched mm -hmm. the panel with you and, uh, nice. and CJ and Nick. Like, I, And I, I would recommend also contacting Rome about mm -hmm. the mutual aid portion. Yeah, so, and that's why I remember a while back, I... Um were requesting mutual aid organizations to interview and I did interview Rome and then there was I believe uh, one other or two other organizations that I interviewed and it was very helpful I'm hoping to interview Dean Spade who wrote the book mutual aid on mutual aid mm -hmm. it, 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 um, I'm hoping to interview him to get his feedback on this idea because uh, when I, I started developing it and I used to have a monthly meeting with this guy um, I, and it's very ironic. He reached out when I talked to, I think I, I talked about it either on calling or on Twitter and he reached out to me and ironically, he was one of the early engineers for Amazon and everybody here who's IT know about the AWS, the Amazon cloud and the, um, yeah. uh, how almost every website, a lot of websites, my website, um, actually, I don't know if I, my website is on the cloud, but anyway, he was one of the early engineers and I used to meet with him cause he said he was ready to put in um six figures in into this idea but after meeting with him a couple of times and it, it kept going into a capitalist area not and not to his fault uh, he had pure intentions from what i can um understand but we were like okay how would this make money it's like okay we can advertise with local um establishment mom and pop establishment but I, it didn't feel it didn't sit well with me because i don't think asking 
capitalists for money or advertise it. It just doesn't seem like that would go well for a, so, a socialistic type of idea like this. I think this is more we have to really move more towards the socialist socialistic side where we're not raising money from capitalism. So um, eventually he said he wanted to focus his efforts on and he lives in California and um, the, trying to get the local Medicare for all in California, he, that initiative, which is fine. We didn't end on bad terms at all. But um, we parted ways at that point. So uh, it's basically me back to me and, and, and the people just trying to form the, the framework for this idea. And I have to credit him talking to him, getting us going back and forth was how I came up with the idea for the ticket ticketing system. So I, I, I give him that credit. But um, I, I really would like to find out more of how this would be a co-op. Like it's almost like a co-op by default. I don't. You know, I don't see how money really gets into play um, for yeah, a while. So. I'm paying for the website myself currently, and then when I do buy the domain, I'm a, a secret among this group. I'm gonna say a secret right now. I'm trying to see if I could get mutualaid.org. Don't tell anybody out there. The the um, expiration date is November, so I already put in my phone to like ring off, and at a certain time, I'm gonna see if I could go on there and buy it, but mutualaid.org is available. We saw, I posted on Twitter that mutualaid.com is being sold for a million dollars. How ironic. Somebody tweeted out, like, this is the, the onion, right? This is, like, out of the onion. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. So, so, Case, you know, like, all, all types of production can be done, you know, with worker co-ops. So, like, you may not want to, you may not be wanting to make a, a an entity that generates profits that's that's a non-profit you can be a non-profit 501c3 you can be a non-profit 501c4 but still the non-profit industrial complex exists because of capitalism so if you create worker owned and controlled worker co-op non-profits that's good too we need we need co-ops in all levels of the means of i love that i love that what would it, what is that under because i know 501c3 is a is a, a non-profit, but that, like you said, that's what more towards the charity and, and capitalism, right? Right, but a 501c4 is a, oh. a politically driven nonprofit. So like my local chapter, the DSA is a 501c4 and they can do mutual aid through and their 501c4. Yeah, can you guys hook up with each other? Like Marco, can so, you put your email or something in the chat for Case? Sorry about that, Case, I'm going to DM you on calling, okay. uh, Marco. I'm going to follow you, and I'm also going to DM you. Because this cool, past cool, savvy, yeah. savvy bedtime. Yeah, and if yeah. you guys want to wrap me, um, Case and Marco, if you guys want to add me into that conversation, I've helped launch a whole bunch of nonprofits. That was my volunteer work I've done for the last. 14 years or so. So I know about a lot of the state laws and, and I've set up a few of the nonprofit uh, co-ops too. So I could definitely advise on that. And I know case you were going to reach out to me about like the, the horizontal structure and like the, throw me in, throw me in. Brother need a job at a co-op models that I had. So with, I can share that with you as well. I already beat, I already beat you to that. If y'all want to throw me into that chat with you and Marco. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. If if you guys can you guys can take care like take care of that and connect right. with each other. I'm gonna head out. It's it's past my bedtime. It's two o'clock right. in the morning. Bye. So,